Hi, I'm Wally Brown, and you're listening to Glory Days of Gold. Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Hey, hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Glory Days of Gold, your East Fife and Scottish football podcast. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Lee Gillis. And it's not a busy week, football-wise, with stuff to talk about. We'll talk about a couple of things. We've got a good interview coming up with a true East Fife legend, Davey Beaton. But before we get into any of that, let us know who this week's sponsor is, Lee. And we want to, to thank the Phoenix and Glenorthis um, for a, a, an amazing donation, which we'll be putting straight towards the clubs to go towards the GPS vests. So just a little bit of a blurb. The Phoenix, Glenorthis and Lawrence Welsh are proud to support East Fife in these difficult times and would encourage all East Fife fans to help at the club if they can. At the Phoenix, we offer a warm and friendly atmosphere to anyone who comes to visit us. We offer a generous 35 mil measure of all premium brands and have a fantastic range of draft beers and ciders, including Magnus Original and the best pint of Guinness in town. Once lockdown's over, head along to their Domino's Night on a Tuesday, their pub quiz on a Sunday, or for your next special occasion, why not book their function suite for just £149, which includes a DJ. They also have an amazing jukebox with over 30,000 songs in it, um, so if you're in the mood for music, you'll find what you want. So thanks to, to the, the Phoenix and Lawrence Welsh once again. So thanks there for the continued support there from the Phoenix and back in the club. So just before we go any further into the show this week, um, Michael and I wanted to, to send our, our condolences to, to Tony on the loss of his mum um, in the last week. You know, Tony's been a great support to us. And, and if you've not um, caught that on, on social media this week, I'm sure you'd be really grateful if you would send your regards on to him. Um, Tony is raising money for Macmillan as well as a thank you for the, the support that they've given him and his family um, in recent times. So if, if you could find it, um, obviously a difficult financial time for most people, but if you've got anything you'd like to donate, then then certainly do so. Yeah, I was really sorry to hear that. My thoughts are, are, are with Tony and his family. And yep, if you can... Help support and give some money to that very, very worthy cause. It'd be very, very much appreciated. Like I said, not a lot to talk about. Still in lockdown. The shutdown, that was a three-week shutdown, it does look like might be extending beyond this. I can't see it just being done and dusted in three weeks, Lee. No, I, I can't say that I see that either. And what my concern is, obviously, the longer it goes on is where it leaves us as the season. Because... Yep. Then you're going into looking at playing into June, July, have the clubs learned their lessons, um, about have maybe a clause in the contract, so like a, an automatic extension if the season gets extended. Um, I don't think that, that we'll know the answer to that. Perhaps if anybody at the clubs 
um, that's that's listening this week, then they could maybe let us know a little bit more about that. But well, yes. you would hope the governing bodies had got all this agreed, but since they hadn't even got an agreement as to what was going to happen if they stopped the season, which was always going to be likely, it's yeah. just ridiculous. Yeah, but again, you know, we say it week in, week out in the show, you know, the people that run Scottish football, you know, couldn't organise a pee up in a brewery. So the, the, I, I don't even want to give them any more talk, airtime on our no. show because it's well, so bad. But they did give championship clubs the chance to have a vote this week. Yeah, that disgusted me. And it, I, I can't believe that the, the League One, League Two clubs get treated with such contempt in comparison. Um, to the Championship and the Premier League, you know, getting the, the opportunity to suspend the season and to vote on it, whereas we just get told, no, no, you're small clubs, you have to just stop. What is the point in giving us the money to test to then not give us the opportunity to use it for testing? Mm-hmm. It's insanity. It would have um, been interesting to see what the vote would have been because it was unanimous in the Championship to continue, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it would have been in League One and League Two, just from what some chairmen have come out to say. So that could have got into a bit of a an interesting situation in that case. But I mean, in England, I think it's right down to basically National League, National League North and South were continuing, and then everything below that wasn't. So it was like Tier Seven down got suspended, whereas we're only aligning the top two tiers. Yeah. Again, it's, it's mental that, that, that again, we're treated with such contempt that we don't even get the, the opportunity of a vote. And I, would, I wonder what East Fife's vote would have been in that situation, whether it would have been to continue and, and keep playing. I'm sure that the players all want to play. And as long as we've got the funds to do the test, and then why not use the money what was given to us yeah. for that purpose? As long as we're doing it safely. I mean, we yeah. saw the situation with Wraith testing and then having positives. That's what the whole system's meant to do. Exactly. Exactly. It's it's insanity. And, and I don't know if you've seen um, Sean Deitch's point that he made. And it's oh. one that was definitely going to be a bit of a controversy. And, and I'm going to paraphrase it. But essentially, that he wanted footballers to get vaccinated first or, or priority for vaccination. You can't do that. Hold on, though. Because the point that he then balanced it up with was one that was pretty good. Because if you think the amount of money that they were putting in in taxes and stuff like that, I'll, I'll see if I can bring up the exact quote. Um, well, why, why are you doing that? I, I know that was something that was discussed in the States because there was a lot of discussion, well, the big, the big four, which doesn't include soccer, it's like the big four of American football, basketball, baseball and ice hockey. Would their players get it? because of how much money could they privately buy it or does it have to be like government stuff could they buy it directly from Pfizer etc etc and all the leagues came out and said we don't think it's a good look if we get our guys done before the public yeah definitely um I've got this quote here on Sean Deitch now and I think that if maybe of our if, if you've missed it maybe some of our fans have mm. Just to, to get um, their take on it. So the amount of money being spent on the Premier League in testing, um, if that was channeled back into the NHS and into the vaccination system, surely that's a better place. Um, that's better place to be than continually testing footballers. I appreciate some people will be surprised by that comment, and people will say, "Why should footballers get vaccination?" But if the testing diminishes, the money that could be used that, that could then be used for a much better cause. 
That makes it, sense, actually. Quite, quite eloquent in the way that he put it, and not something that many people would give Sean Dyche credit for. No, I like, I like Sean Dyche. I've got to say, I I've always done, I wouldn't want to play against him on a football pitch. He's a scary dude. No, <laughs> Kenny, Kenny Joker has. I don't know if you remember. He said that yeah. he played um, at, at Northampton. So, yeah, that's um, an interesting point. And, of course, if you, if you want to... To, to challenge Sean Deitch's quote then get in touch with us on the, the social media aspect thing but I actually think that the way that he put it across is kind of difficult to argue with but no it is but I guess because you're the thing is they're testing what two three times a week or something like that yeah. I mean that is a that's a lot to do also the tests don't look the most comfortable either no. so I mean if I was a player I would not want that I know the MLS guys here said it was horrible like two, three times a week, you're getting something shoved up your nose just so you can go out and entertain people and, and make the owners lots of money. And then here, the owners have turned around, I've mentioned before, and there might be a lockout because they're saying, yeah, we want to do things that's going to make the players worse off. So we're facing a strike here, never mind the, the season getting yeah. underway. But that's an interesting an interesting take on it. It's... It's just, it's a mess just now. I don't know when things are going to get back underway. I don't think it's any time soon. So I, I think for the, the next few weeks, the Glory Days of Gold po- podcast are going to be a little bit different. It's going to be going back to what we how we started, going back to the, the early days. It's going to be a lot of interviews. And we've got one that's been very requested from, from our, our listeners the, the last few weeks, Lee. Yes, so looking forward to bringing this one to you and, and it was an excellent interview, an, an absolutely excellent interview, one that Michael and I thoroughly enjoyed. It's now 25 past 10 here on, on Friday evening and when Michael messaged me, he said, tell Dave it might be, you know, an hour, 10 hour and a half and two hours, 10 minutes later, we, we still could have kept talking to him, an absolute gem of a guy. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Dave Beaton, Played for his five for just over six seasons. He's a guy that many of you have put in your all-time 11. Some players have got him in there as well. We're just going to take a journey through his career. So grab your favourite hot beverage, a chocolate digestive or your biscuit of choice. Sit back and enjoy a great chat with Davey Beaton. How you doing? All right. No bad. <laughs> right, Davey, Let's get into this. I, I'm looking forward to this. We've we've had a a lot of fans have named you in their their all time eleven of players that that they've seen right. play for East Fife, and you had six and a bit seasons at, at Bayview from 1990 to 1997. You started your your pro career from what I, I've done research wise and what I find at, at Stenhouse Muir. Moved on to Falkirk. Played with us, then Berwick, Aloha, Forfar, and then a very successful spell in the juniors. We're going to yep. cover all of that today. Obviously, all a big right, bulk yeah. of this is going to be talking about your time at East Fife, where according yep. to the, the stats I found, and I'm sure Stephen Mill will correct me if I've got this wrong, 192 appearances, 32 goals. That sound about right? Uh, nah, it's not far away. It'll not be far away. I thought a wee bit more than that. But, it prob- uh, probably is. That's from a site, Neil Brown, who's got all these Scottish footballers for like decades. He's, he's got the, the stuff. So some of it... It's probably, has, right, I, it's probably in some programme I need to dig out. But like I said, your time at Bayview, it, it certainly 
left a lasting impression with, with fans and a lot of us have named you in our all-time 11 and I think looking back at, at that period that you played in, you were just such an important part of the team. You went on to, to captain the team. We look at you fondly. It was a... It was a turbulent time at times on and off the pitch at, at the club. Some good seasons, some bad seasons, some stuff behind the scenes. I know things maybe ended a little bit sourly for you when you moved on. But how do you look back at, at your time at, at Bayview? Um, well, in general terms, loved it. Loved every minute of it. Um, fans were great with me. We had a great bunch of guys in it, and throughout the years, each time the team changed or new guys come in, and they seemed to settle in really well. Um, uh, I didn't have any issues with any of the managers, if I'm being honest. Um, uh, Gav, Gav Murray, when he signed me, uh, was a really nice guy, uh, really passionate about the game, really passionate about the team. Uh, so that was what kind of sold it to me, to go East Fife and I left Falkirk. Uh, and Jim Baxter, to be fair. <laughs> um, and then, uh, then obviously, I think it was Alec Totten that took over from mm. uh, Gav. And I knew Alec anyway. Uh, uh, All right. When I was, when I was younger, uh, I went and trialed the Rangers and he was at he was at Rangers at the time when, I'm sure he was at, was it at Rangers? Or was it Falker? Anyway, he, he, I'd met him before, so I knew who he was. And, and so that was, that was a good thing. Uh, and then obviously Steve Archibald, who was uh, was magnificent as far as I was concerned. Great, great for the, the team. Great for the, the confidence. Great for what we achieved. And then uh, after him, Jimmy Bone came in, who I knew Jimmy as well. But unfortunately, I got injured, and, that, mm-hmm. and uh, I, d- I never really was able to get uh, do anything for Jimmy or for the team after we'd been promoted, which was unfortunate. But that was kind of the. And, and overall, it was it was a great time. I had great laughs, some great games, some great uh, experiences. Some, and I'll probably tell you a few of the experiences as we as we talk through this. But uh, yes, uh, listening to Molly and Barry uh, talking, certainly there's a few memories that came up when they were talking about some of the things that that happened, but also some of the games that we were involved in, which were really quite exciting and. Uh, some were disappointing, some of them were great. You know, even though we got beat, they were still great games, you know, so. Yeah, it, it's an interesting time when when I look back on it, just because at the time, league-wise, we struggled for, for so much, like especially under Gavin Murray. And we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll come to this later on. It, it wasn't a bad team when you look back on it. And no. you kind of think, how on earth did they kind of struggle so much? Yeah, I mean, it... it there were some good players. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll come to all of that. What's your earliest memories of playing football? When Oof. did you kind of know that you had what it took that, that you could actually make it in the pro game? Mm. I remember when I was uh, a schoolboy signing with Falkirk and uh, I went and played to like Scottish schoolboy level and I came back and uh, we had pre-season training and it was at the cusp of if I was going to get taken on as a, a pro, if you like. I remember it was Billy Lamont who was the manager and take me in and uh, speaking to me and saying, oh, well done about your Scotland uh, cap and things like that. And he says, but I'm letting you go. He says, uh, we don't think you're, you're ready just now. And uh, so after 
saying well done and then and then giving you the devastating news that we didn't want you. So I left, which is ironic. I left and then I went and played with both Kenner YM. And then Stennis Muir came in for me. I played three trial games uh, with, with Stennis Muir. I was 17 at the time, I think. And uh, I got signed on. And then like three years later, or four years later, whatever it was, Falkirk bought me back, which was kind of uh, ironic. Uh, but um, once I went to Stennis Muir, I, I knew that I had a, a chance, if you like. I, I knew that I could cut the mustard, I suppose, with the guys I was playing with. And uh, and I thoroughly enjoyed my time at uh, Stennis Muir, who gave me that chance, if you like. You know, a guy called Archie Rose was the, the manager at the time who signed me. So I thank Archie Rose for starting my career, if you like. Yeah, it's interesting how things work out because so many guys go to teams and then don't make it at that team and then they go on to have good careers. I mean, you, you see it all over the game. Like when you were growing up, I. Who did you kind of support? Was there a kind of player that you like looked up to, a footballing hero that you kind of wanted to model your game on or anything? I suppose, I mean, I was a, a kind of, if you like, a Rangers fan. Um, but I kind of, um, at the time when I was growing up, Scotland were massive, you know, uh, as, a, as, a, as a nation. So the World Cups is 74, 78, 82, 86. You know, so they were massive at that time. So the guys that I kind of looked at were like, say, somebody like Kenny Dalglish. They actually played with Celtic. They went to Liverpool, obviously. Um, Joe Jordan. I love Joe Jordan. Uh, and my centre half, or, as a defender, I suppose, was big Jim Holton, who played in the 74 World Cup. Yeah. So uh, I know there's no any Rangers players in there, but uh, as as time went on, I suppose uh, John Gregg was a was a was a hero, obviously. A massive player for Rangers, so uh, through the seventies, so and then he became the manager. Unfortunately, didn't really work out for him. But uh, when you look at, uh, I suppose they were the kind of iconic players that I looked at back in the seventies, and not so much the eighties as such, because then I started to play myself. So, uh, but uh, another guy that I looked up to, I suppose, who was at Falkirk, was a, a guy called Alan Mackin. I don't know if you remember him. Centre half went on to Motherwell. He was. In my eyes, he probably wasn't that big, but in my eyes, he was massive because I was only a wee guy and he's he was the centre-half captain and used to do 100 headers after every training session. He would go and do 100 headers. I hope he's not got uh, that. Everybody sees he's in the heat of the ball anyway. I so know. Cause it's like, right. You're saying that and I'm thinking, wow, like nowadays, it's like... Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on how the game's changed as well. Like, even your playing style, I think... Mm. Nowadays, we'd kind of probably see you sitting in the stand more more than you were back yes. in the day. Yes, I think uh, I think Big Molly touched on that. He wouldn't yeah. have lasted very long in the game nowadays either. Um, he was a he was a wee bit harder than me. I, I think I think he was a wee bit more dirtier than me, to be honest. And he, he wouldn't say it, wasn't he? Because he was. And actually, my first encounter with Molly was when he was with St Johnson. I was with Stennis Muir, and that's why I've got a squint nose because he broke my nose. <laughs> there you go. I mean that. And that's, that's a true story. I, I, could, I, I could believe it. I remember Molly playing very well, and it's like, like I, I, I love like tough tackling guys, hard guys. It's an element of the game that's kind of it's disappeared a lot. We we had a guy that was playing out here in Vancouver when they had just gone into MLS. Jay Demerit, an American international, and he was like a tough tackling centre back, and then he decided to retire. 
because he'd had some injuries, but he felt the game was changing. He was picking up bookings for things he wouldn't have picked up bookings for before. He was getting sent off. And he was like, I can't be bothered with this anymore. I'm just I'm just gonna hang my boots up. It's just it no, wasn't the same game. But we you always like that. Games. Yeah. Were you always like that as a youth player? Like were you have you always played centre back for one thing? And like were you always quite a tough tackling guy? No, really. I was I was I started off as a, a goalkeeper, if that, if you can believe that. Oh wow. Uh, when I was when I was really young and then I went to left wing. And I kind of made my way back down the left-hand side of the, the park because I did near right peg, obviously. Um, and uh, ended up at, and it was at Stennis Muir, I ended up as a centre-back, really, uh, when I went there. I started off at left-back and then they put me in at centre-back and that was it. Uh, uh, when I was 17, 18, and stayed at centre-back for then on. Uh, I was always good in the air. Uh, that was my kind of strength. And I had a good left peg, which and there's no many left centre-backs going about in the 80s everybody kicked with the right foot uh, so it's it kind of fell into place so aye that's uh, that's how, how I became a centre half I was a hard player but I, I would say I was uh, I, I like to play football as well oh as yeah like you, you yeah I mean I'm saying hard but not in like a, a, a like dirty Molly. yeah not like a, yeah like let's just call it like basically Molly, not, Molly. Molly was a good player Molly was a very good player uh, great guy to have in the trenches but also had a bit of ability about him as well, you know. So, aye, maybe being a wee bit unfair on myself, saying that he was just a kicker, but he wasn't. He was a well, man that drove the team a lot of the time. We'll be we'll be touching as well on your your left peg and your and your goal scoring ability in, in a little bit. Uh. <laughs> We're going to take you back to the wee bit. We've touched on it briefly. Was you signed your your pro deal with with Stenhouse Muir in nineteen eighty five. Four seasons there, and you came on their radar after playing with the YM through your way. Yeah. So, how did Stenhouse Muir approach you then? Because you said that you got a couple of trial games for them. How did that move come about? Did they spot you at a game and just ch- chat to you after it, or how did it come about? I'm trying to remember. I think um, uh, we played, obviously, we played, it was in Skin Flats next to Grangemouth, if you know where that is. Uh, uh, so, we're, we weren't that far away from, so uh, I suppose probably their scout, I think, uh, had been to uh, a few of your games and uh, uh, it was myself and, uh, I'm trying to think his name, Stephen McCarra, I think his name was, uh, we signed, with a, well, I went in trial first and foremost, went in trial and we, we played against uh, Queen's Park at Lesser Hamden, I remember it, and I was playing left back and I was told before the game, he says, um, the right, the right winger, I'm trying to mind his name, it's terrible for, for names. But anyway, Celtic were looking at him and he, and he did actually sign with Celtic. So that's another player I've sold, by the way. So I played well that night up against a guy who was lightning and he was he was uh, really, really good. And I think we won 2-1 that night. But uh, And then I played another couple of games. So I played a couple of games and then uh, Archie Rose uh, took me in and said that he wanted to sign me. And I'm, I was like, obviously, aye, happy days. Couldn't drive at the time. Uh, I was at Falkirk College at the time, so I used to go to Falkirk College and then have to uh, go for there straight over to training and things like that. So they were the days, as they say, and uh, that was the start of my career and, and really enjoyed myself. The, my lasting memories at Stennismuir um, was Alec Rennie, who took over as manager, who put a wee thing in my clause in my contract because I think there was a few teams looking at me at the time 
and he put, he says, any transfer fee, you'll get 15% of that, and he put this in the contract. And uh, so that was a, a wee bonus for him. Uh, I remember um, when you're just getting into the team and you, you think you've made it, right? You think, oh, I'm the big time Charlie now. You think you've made it, you're in the team. I remember the ball going down the right-hand side and it coming into the box. The keeper had went out and it missed the keeper, so I ran back. So I'd been cut back for the, the goal line. So instead of just clearing it, I said, I'll take a touch here. So the ball just bounced at the last minute, hit my shin and goes in for an OG. So you can imagine uh, just in the team, and there's got a lot of experienced guys in the team, half time, I go in at half time and the, the manager goes, doesn't even have to say anything because the players have all got me by the throat. You think you're a player, you think you can do what you like, oh, take a touch in the box and all that, I do this and do that. I think you know, I got absolute pill. So it gave me a hard lesson right away uh, that uh, keep it simple, then you try and be smart. <laughs> Definitely not in your own six-yard box anyway. Brave no. man doing that. So you eventually got your move to Falkirk then, and like you said, it, was, it must have been a strange feeling having had the the sort of sour note of them releasing you, but then going away, playing your football, proving to them actually that you were a player, and then they signed you. So I suppose the first question we we'll ask you is, how much did they sign you for? I think it was 30,000, I believe. <laughs> 15% of that, a decent... Uh, that was all right, aye. It was all right, <laughs> a decent aye. wee cut of that, like, definitely. I bought, an, I bought an XR2 here, there you go. That's, that yeah. was a good transfer fee for those days for, for lower leagues. That's actually quite a high one. Yeah. Aye, I, th- I believe it was, aye. Uh, uh, I think uh, Lindsay Hamilton went just before me, I think. He went to Rangers just before me, before I went. He went to Rangers, and I think he was, oh, I think he was about eight, eight, uh, he might have been a wee bit more than that. Obviously, he was going to Rangers, but aye, aye. It was a local club next to Stennis Muir, so it was good, so happy days. So you went to Falkirk, you, they were 21 by that point, and they'd just been re- relegated, and as coincidence would have it, Dave Clark had just moved on. So yeah. what's your memories of that move then? And was it kind did, did you have any sort of doubts in your mind that you didn't, didn't maybe want to leave Stenhouse Muir will be like, right, no, I've, I've got to go and make my name at Stenhouse Muir and prove them that we're wrong. No, I think uh, at the time I'd just been made redundant at uh, uh, Wang Computers in Stirling. And so it was full-time football. Uh, it was Jim Duffy that signed me. they just moved Roddy Manley. I think he went to St Mirren and they were looking for a centre-back to play with Big Stuart Burgess. Uh, so I came in uh, I remember the first uh, day's pre-season, uh, uh, Stuart Burgess was fighting with Colin McNair, and I broke that up. Uh, so welcome to the club. So it was, it was a, it was a, it was a, an older set of players, no old set of players, but more experienced set of players, who, who a few of them had been uh, to a few clubs. It was a different, it was a different kind of atmosphere. There was more pressure on them, if that makes sense. So it was, it was about hitting the ground running right away. And uh, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it, uh, but it was there was a, a certain uh, culture there where uh, night suit were a good thing and things like that. So Jim Duffy signed me, and then there was an, an altercation doing at Salcoats with the players. I wasn't there, to be thankfully. Uh, and then Jim Duffy resigned after that because of this altercation down at Salcoats where players were uh, lifted, I believe, and all that kind of stuff. And then Billy Lamont came in as the manager, funnily enough, who released me. And he played me every game. How mental was that? <laughs> That's crazy. 
It is, aye. He came in and took the team to the end of the season. And then, uh, obviously, Jim Jeffries came in after that. So, so there you go. At the end of that season, then, was it Jim Jeffries that had sort of said, look, you're not going to play here and, and, and you can move on and that's when East Fife came into you? Or was it a sort of decision that you made, no, I don't want to work for Jim Jeffries? How, how did the move to East Fife come about? You, you kind of... I, I remember when uh, Jim took over and... Uh, and he had the conversation with me. He says, "You're my centre half." I remember you playing against Big Yogi when he was at Berwick Rangers, and you, you were winning headers against him, and blah blah blah. He says, "You're my centre half." So we started the season. I think I played the first sort of nine, ten games, and then he put me in the midfield beside Big Yogi because uh, he signed him from Swansea, and uh, and Simon Stainrod came in as well, and so you had so they so. Um, he put me in the midfield, didn't have a good game against Clyde. We were getting beat uh, one nothing at half time, took me off and they won three one. And you kind of think, well, that's me, I'm out of the gate, out of the team. And I was. And then it went sort of week after week that uh, I wasn't in the team. And uh, then it came to the point where uh, he said to me, Look, I'm looking to move you on. We've got an offer for East Fife. How do you feel about that? And no agents in the days, I just went, aye, I'm, I'm happy to talk to whoever. <laughs> you know, I just want to play football. And that's how it happened. Uh, ended up at East Fife. Uh, yeah, that, that came about under Gavin Murray, um, somebody that's a, a bittersweet, probably figure at, at East Fife. Um, again, yeah. this is before my time and I could only go on, on reputation. So how did you feel... First of all, how did you feel about coming to a team that was really struggling at the time in East Fife? Um, you can. Uh, I just wanted to play football, and uh, Gavin and Jim Baxter and guys like that sold the club to me because it was like a family club. Um, and I'm not saying Falkirk were a family club. Most clubs are a kind of family, if you like. But uh, just that they sell, they sold the club to me, and Gavin being that kind of enthusiastic what he wanted to do and how he saw how I'd fit into the team and what he, he thought this would do to the team and how it'd take the team forward and things like that. So you're kind of like, right, that sounds good to me. And uh, so when I, I remember that uh, when I signed, because I was going for full-time football to part-time, didn't have a job. So Jim says, I'll get your job. Uh, Jim Baxter says, I'll get your job. So what he did was he got my job with the bus driver's uh, security firm. I can't remember the name of the bus driver. I think he was blind. He was blind in one eye. I'm sure he was. Anyway, so I got this job with. <laughs> so anyway, I got this job with a security firm, and the the the, the deal uh, the deal breaker was I'd passed my test by then, obviously, and uh, the deal breaker was that Jim Baxter got me a mini metal, right, to travel up to East Fife, the worst car ever, by the way. Uh, so that was a deal breaker. He got me a mini metal, and I got a job at uh, the security firm. <laughs> Uh, there was a few cars flying about in those days. I'm not quite sure where Jim got them all from. Uh, I think, I think yeah. probably the less asked about that, the better. So it seems to be a lot of stories that have, have come to light in this podcast. But anyway, <laughs> let's, let, let's stick to the, the things that are facts. 192 appearances and, and scored 32 goals, which is an excellent return for a defender. Cemented yourself in, in a lot of five fans, um, all-time greats, and you know, I, I do quite a lot of the social media stuff for the podcast. Mike's quite busy over in Canada. And every time that I've asked for a guest, it's been Dave Beaton, Dave Beaton, 
they'd be in. Mm-hmm. They'd be in. So d- delighted to, to finally have you on. And, you know, despite all those appearances and 32 goals, some of those early years at East Fife must have been a struggle. They were. They were difficult. Um, um, it just, you know, football's funny in a way because you think that you, on paper we had a really good side, a good squad, um, and you lose the odd game by by something. Uh, see when your confidence is down and you're, you're, you're really struggling, it's difficult to get out of that. And I felt, I felt, um, I only came into the, the, the team sort of maybe around about the Christmas time, Christmas period. I think my first game was against Sterling Albion when I looked at the the the, the sheets that were sent. I think it was Sterling Albion. And uh, the team itself, new players coming in, I think it was Jimmy Cowell that came in with, in with me. Uh, so the team was in a flux. There was a lot of things going on. And, and it was trying to get that blend and try to get the... And there were some great players there, you know, like Wally Brown was there, and and we had, we had we had a, a squad there that that could do something, but it just didn't seem to happen. And and, and I know uh, Gavin Gab's enthusiasm was one of the things I thought, Chris, you want to play for this guy because of that enthusiasm he had, but it just didn't work. And sometimes you think, was it the, was it the tactics potentially? Yes, I a lot of the time it could have been the tactics, or was it just that, um. Maybe just that that killer instinct or that that uh, just doing the right uh, the simple things at the right times. I don't know, but uh, it was certainly it was difficult. And then you go to the Dundee United game, for example, when you go there and you, and you play as though these are uh, world beaters, you know. And you say, where does the team? What happens to the team every week? When you it's like everyone else, football's crazy. You have a great game, and then the next week you're a different team. It's just the way football is at times, you know. It it was such a strange time, and like looking back at it now, you you look at the players that were there, and it's like up front you had Robert Scott scoring goals for fun, Sludden, the Sludden Scotty partnership was great. We had Ali Mitchell, and yes. there was good midfielders. There's Molly. There was a good defence. Like you've played with some great defenders over the years, and you look back at it now, and you're like, how the hell did we? finishing the second, third bottom of the, the bottom division of Scotland with a team like that. It's just, oh. it's baffling. Maybe, maybe the weak link was me coming in. Maybe that's what it was. It certainly wasn't. <laughs> I mean, you showed up that defence and it's, yeah. I mean, it, there was there was worse seasons than, than those times. You look back at those times and it was bad, but we'll, we'll talk about the season where you didn't play where we got promoted to the first division. That was just, that was a horrible I season. Play. I did. Oh, the season in the first of it. Yeah, this. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, I didn't play that season. Aye. Unfortunately. So, you mentioned right off the top that you played under four managers. You kind of gave a little bit, bit of a brief summary on them. Who was your favourite to play under, and and why, and, and who do you feel got the best out of you as a player? Um, Steve Archibald was uh, was the best I played under. Um. Just that, I suppose it's the fact of who he was. So we, we well, we, we kind of called him the, the Hibs Mafia when they came in, you know, Gordon Ray, Alan Sneddon, Steve Archibald. So they all came in kind of thing. And big Gordon Ray was good because Gordon Ray was a, a legend as far as Hibs fans are concerned. He was a centre half. So a lot of the time, he spent a lot of time with the defence and, and the guys like myself. 
uh, in the centre defence, just working on things. So we came, we came. Uh, I think that confidence came in because Archibald oozed confidence. He, he had an air of, I wouldn't know that arrogance is a bad thing. It was an air, an air of, uh, I've done, I've done it before. So just follow me, just listen to what I've got to say. And you couldn't know, listen to him, Christ, he's played with the, the top teams in the world, you know, and played at two World Cups. So you're thinking to yourself, Christ, I'm playing in the same team as a guy. It's, it's played with Graham Souness, it's played with Kenny Raguish, it's played with this, you know, it's played with Messi, eh, Maradona, sorry, you know. So you're thinking, so you're thinking all the time that this is, this is amazing. But eh, we had a great side. He, he got a side together that was eh, really hard to beat, but also very, very threatening. We always looked as though we were going to score. So it was all, if, you're, if you're always looking as though you're going to score, you're going to win more games than you're losing, as far as I'm concerned, if you can keep it tight at the back. So it was a great time. Yeah, under Archibald, he, 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 was, he, was, he was good. Yeah, that was, that was certainly... It, it was a good time to be around the club as a fan, as a player, I'm, I'm sure, as well. And we'll, we'll come to that in a little bit. Just, just going back to kind of the Murray years... It always sticks in my mind, and I remember the Five Free Press did a, a piece on this where it was the first pre-season game and the team runs out and someone shouts, resign Murray! And it's just, as a player, right. when you're hearing all that abuse towards the manager every week and there was the red card protests and I yeah. remember, I, I wasn't at this game, but I think it was up at Brecon. They crowded around the dugout and they were banging on the dugout and they basically had him in mm. tears. Like, yeah. as a player, how how do you feel? Like, did you ever think, I need, I need to get away from here. This is just, it's a toxic environment. Um, for me, my, my, my view was that it made me want to try harder for him, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because he, he, he showed faith in me bringing me to the club and he, wanted, and he, and, and he, he thought that I could maybe do something for the club. So uh, it made me want to try harder, and it, it did upset me. But I understood, totally understand that it's a winning, it's a it's a winning mentality. It's a it's a results game. No matter how good a guy you are, or how nice you are, or how much you think somebody's great, see if you're not getting results. Doesn't matter who you are. It happens to the best of managers, you know. And uh, certainly for me, it made me want to try harder for him. And I felt, I felt, I felt his pain, if you like. And a lot of the guys did. And I think Big Molly spoke about Gavin uh, the same, in the same sort of light as myself. That he was a great guy, but sometimes making me have decisions, sometimes he maybe didn't do them when he, he should have done them and he was maybe too loyal to certain individuals at times. I don't know, but but certainly I felt his pain and it, and it isn't nice to be around. And uh, for me, it made me try harder, but ultimately it was never going to last as long as uh, uh, the results were the way they were. And it's yeah. not just doing it's not just doing to Gavin Murray, it's doing to the players as well. It's doing to the players not doing the business in the park as well. So you've got to take responsibility for that. I mean, when I look back at that time, like the fanzine, when we when we look back at that, it was way over the top, some of the abuse and criticism that, mm. that we gave him in hindsight. I think that was just kind of the nature of the time and times obviously change and you, you probably wouldn't do that. I certainly wouldn't do that now and a lot of it, like, listening to Molly talking about him and then hearing you as well, we've heard from other players as well, he was a really nice guy. Yeah. And ultimately, it wasn't 
his fault that he was in that job because he was put in that job and he was yeah. maybe in like way over his head. And a lot of it, I guess, fell on the, the shoulders of Jim Baxter because Jim could have got rid of him. Obviously, there had been all the rumours that there had been a mess up with his insurance payment when he broke his leg be, before you'd come to the club and stuff like that. Right. Now, Jim Baxter was a character. I'd met him a lot yeah. of times o- over the years. What what was he like to to deal with? <laughs> um, he was he was he, he remember he's just bigger, uh, larger than life type of character. He was Mister His Fife, wasn't he? I mean, everybody knew him. Everybody knew him uh, wherever he went. Uh, you knew that somebody would speak to him. You knew that he knew somebody there. So um, he was he was really he was great with the guys. He was great with the players. He always want he wanted to do everything for the players. I mean, when I was at East Fife, I went twice to Florida and once to Tenerife. You know, <laughs> people didn't know these things that uh, back, Jim Baxter took us to Florida twice and then took us and then Archibald organised something. We went away in December yeah. to Tenerife. You know, I'd forgotten about you. I'd forgotten about the Florida trips. I remember that now, but it's like, yeah, that's like crazy for a small team to go and do that. Well, I know that Celtic the... can't even go to Dubai. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Aye, that's right. Um, so uh, he was. He just wanted, to, like any fan and any any, I suppose, chairman who they want the team to be successful and they want the team to do well and they want to make it the best they can. And that's what kind of Jim Baxter was like for me. He he just wanted he just wanted the players to enjoy themselves, but also uh, show respect to the club, but also give it the best you can. And uh, I thought Gavin Murray had that kind of essence about him. You know that was what he wanted. To, like any manager, you want that's what you want the team to do. Mm-hmm. It was just unfortunate it didn't work out for him. Yeah, and maybe 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 his fault. Maybe his biggest fault was he was a nice guy. Maybe you know. Yeah. I mean, he. I think that is what's coming across when we're doing this now. Like my my memories of Jim as well. Just as yeah, he he loved the club so much. He's one of those old school chairmen that you mm-hmm. you don't get them anymore. Really, or well, you yeah. maybe do. Maybe in the juniors, I guess you you probably get some guys like that. But he he was like if you pictured a football chairman in the seventies and eighties, your stereotypical chairman it, it was Jim Baxter. Aye. Aye. Aye, he was he was a uh, he was a great man, a great a great East Fife uh, I suppose a legend for the, the club, if you like, you know. Yeah. And then I suppose there's a few stories I could tell you, not just necessarily well Jim Baxter as well, but when we went to Florida, uh, when we got promotion uh, with Steve Archibald and we flew out to Florida and that was part of the bonus. We'll go to Florida and we'll take take the wives and all that and the kids and I didn't have a, a wife or a kid at the time, but anyway, so so we flew over. And I was sharing. Uh, we had we were in Villas. And we were, I was sharing with Dickie Gibb, and you had Joe McStay, you had uh, Lindsay Hamilton, all these kind of guys. Eh, Big Gordon Ray, Alan Snedden. So every night there would be a a party oh, in, a, in a villa. Yes. Yeah, so so this night we're in Gordon Ray's villa, right? So we're all having a good time. The kids are in the pool and things like that. We're all having a, a drink. So Joke McStay, being Joke McStay, decided to set off the fire extinguisher. But unbeknown, he set off the fire extinguisher, but it was a powder one. So it went round. So this powder went everywhere on everybody. And I can remember Joke McStay running out the door with Gordon Ray chasing him, going to kill him, as they say. 
right? And I never seen Joke McStay that whole holiday after that. He just went into hibernation. <laughs> just covered the, it cost a fortune to get it all sorted. He just covered the whole villa, the living room villa, uh, and players, and bairns, and wives. Bairns greeting and everything, and Gordon Ray chasing him down the, in the middle of this, uh, this street in, in Florida. I remember that. That's superb. I've not heard that story before. That's a good one. Yeah. Yes. Joke was uh, joked like the wee prank. So when Murray left, we obviously had Alex Totten come in. Yeah. And although his spell at the club was, was quite short, it seemed to breathe some sort of new life into the fans. Did you feel that as a player? Yeah. He, had, he, he was he, he was always a, a respected figure in the game. Uh, his name, everybody knew knew who he was. Um and his his philosophy was quite simple. It wasn't like uh, he liked to be on the front foot. He liked to be kind of uh, um, kind of like Archibald in a way. Always wanted to be on the front foot. Always looking to uh, score goals if we can. Um, and uh, I suppose Gavin was there for a few years, and then Gavin leaving, something had to happen. So that new person coming in who has got that status in the game, uh, that respect. That kind of gave the, the 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 team and the club a wee lift, and he brought in his own ideas and what he wanted to do. Um, I knew him, so it was great. So uh, it was great playing under him. I always remember when we, uh, when he it was the summer when he went to Kilmarnock. Mm. So he took me golfing with Joe Ward. I don't know if you remember the guy Joe Ward, winger. So yeah. I was out of contract. I was going out of contract, and at that time there was no bossman. So you were a tie to the club, you, you had to sign a new contract. So I was saying, right, we'll discuss it. So Alton took me Glen Berve. So we went there and played around the golf. And after it, he says, you'll be signing. And I says, well, I've not seen what the deal is. He says, you can't how much does this cost me to go around this golf course? <laughs> I went, all right. I says, no, boss. So I signed because it was Alton. So I signed the deal. And he was away the next month. He went to Kilmarnock. And that's just the way football is, eh? Yeah, I think we always knew it was going to be a short-lived thing when you get a guy like that in, but uh, yeah. Well, yeah, in terms so. of the placement, we've got a decent one in Steve True. Archibald. So before I ask you anything else... Well, a good story about Gavin Murray, if you want to hear a good story about him. Oh, Go on. Always. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard the story about the Queen's Park and the, the, the bus crash. You heard oh. about that? Huh. So we're playing Queen's Park at Hamden and uh, so I wouldn't get the bus. I would just travel through because I stay through in the Halawa area. So I'd travel through. So we're sitting with it, uh, Hamden, waiting on the bus and the, and the players and that. So that a guy comes in for one of the uh, for the Queen's Park and says, look, there's been an accident in the motorway. Uh, your bus has been in an accident. Everybody's okay, apparently. Uh I'm sure it was the guy who's got the one eye and he was looking at the wrong side. He was driving the bus. It was a patch. It was a patch of Hamilton that hit the bus anyway. That's all I know. So, but they're coming in. They're coming in taxis. So they'll be here. So it gets to about quarter to three, and it was a lovely day. So everybody, you're playing at Hamden. You're like, come on, what's happening? So um, next time, right, they're here. So and all these, and you can see the black cabs coming in. The, you know the top bit of Hamden. Yeah. They're all driving down, and these black cabs, the team. The officials on this, right? So Gavin Murray gets out, so he's got his arm in a sling, right? I, I believe he broke his shoulder or dislocated his shoulder. Doogie Hope's got a bandage around his head because he got hit with glass for the window smashing. 
Paul Taylor's as white as a sheet. So anyway, we get into the changing room. So Gavin's gone round, right? And Gavin's speech or talk or team talk, can always remember it, was going round each individual. Are you able to play? So he goes to, he just went to Doogie Hope. I forget you, no, even ask you. Uh, goes to um, uh, Paul Taylor and Paul's white as a sheet. He's, he's in shock. Yeah, and Paul kind of went, aye. And he went, right, that's fine. So we moved on. And, uh, and he's going around with his in, in a sling and he's going, this is this will make show character. We get through this and we'll get we'll go out in the park and no other teams went through what we've had to go through. <laughs> you know, we got beat that day. And I remember <laughs> Paul Taylor jumping up. I remember Paul Taylor jumping up with about, I don't know how long to go, jumping up and just knocking the ball away with his hand. And, I, and you look at him and you go, what are you doing? He says, oh, I had a blackout. I, I, I didn't care. So that was the story Jeez. of that. So, that was, so we had that... Um, that's what one of my memories, anyway. Uh, Gavin Murray, he's and he was the whole day in a sling, running up and doing the dugout and everything. It was bonkers, but in, in hindsight, really funny. To be fair, we we need to try and find out more though about this one-eyed bus driver because yeah. this this certainly seems like a a bit of East Fife folklore that we need to delve more into. I'll have to try and inquire I'm, about that. I'm telling you, you're not doing a you're not doing a guy in a bike on the way back for training. Yes, pitch black. You know the roads before you got the, the 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 motorway built and all that, pitch black. You hear the you hear the thud, so he's like, oh, so he goes out and there's a boy in a ditch and a bike and he's and he's broke his arm, right? So we had to get him onto the bus and take him to the hospital. So he's on the bus and he's like, all right, boys, talk away as he's just been knocked down my bus. <laughs> he's like, it's man. So apparently the, the the story is that Mister Baxter looked after him. I'm sure he did. Yes, that's <laughs> there you go. This is why we haven't heard a lot of these stories. I'm sure Jim looked after a lot of the things. <laughs> right. Right, so Poor guy in his bike. Hope he's all right. <laughs> Definitely uh, <laughs> a little bit past that era now to find out the answer to that. But... If you happen to be listening to the show, get in touch, let us know. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, so, I don't know if you've heard that. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to tell you another story with the guy. Crack Murray, on, right? sure, sure. Right. right, so I don't know if you heard the one about down at Stranraer, where we've, we've travelled down. It's a midweek game, so we're, we're travelling down to Stranraer. So we get into the changing room. It's a midweek game, and uh, so Gavin Murray's going round everybody. Right, boys, come on, we've got to get this done. Next time we chap at the door, the dressing room, and so Gavin's like, the door opens. And it's the wee kit man. I can't mind his name. I have no clue what his name is, but anyway, and he comes, oh, uh, the chairman wants to know what he's wanting for the, the chip shop after the game on the way back up the bus. Guys, what a fucking try to do a team talk. What's going on? So anyway, so right, go in. So the wee guys going round. So me, uh, Blackwood and Supper, Sausage Supper, going round, going round, going round. <laughs> so, the wee, so the wee kit man goes away. So we're all getting warmed up and done the warm up, getting ready. So we're out, ready to start. So Big Molly was the captain at the time. And uh, honestly, God, you couldn't have timed it perfect. He's standing there with the ref, and that's standing our captain and him. The wee kit man shouting at Molly, Molly, and it's it's no like there's a big crowd around. So everybody looks there and he goes, "There's no sausage." You want anything else? <laughs> and you know what Molly's response was, eh? You could imagine. I can imagine. I. Oh. You that that anyway. wasn't the midweek game that Ray Charles scored in, was it? I know he scored a midweek game down in Stranraer because that was the only 
game I'd missed in like a five or six year period because it was midweek in Stranraer. And then you find out your goalkeeper had scored and you're like, oh, fuck, why, how did I miss that game? They might not. They might have. I'm trying to see. what That would be the 1991 season, wouldn't it? But aye, maybe, maybe it did. Aye. But that was a story then that I can remember. That's my Gavin Murray story's finished. <laughs> well, these are some stories that I'm, I'm really looking forward to hearing for you. So we move on to Steve Archibald then in terms of yeah, these five chapters. The question I want to know is, is, is obviously I only know Steve Archibald's reputation. He, he sort of just left as I started watching these five. Um, what are you thinking as players like when you're in the training ground and you hear that, or, or are you the word gets out that, that Steve Archibald's got the job. Like, what's your reaction yeah. to that? How, how do you react to that? I mean, your, your first reaction is this is a joke. It must be. This, it can't be true. Because you're yeah, thinking, we thought that Steve, too. Because <laughs> you're thinking, why would they come to East Fife? I, I suppose, why would they come to the deepest, darkest of Fife? Uh, and, he's, and, he, and then he's there. And you, and you think uh, that Alan Snedden was there before he came. I'm right in saying that. I think he was playing with us before he came. Possibly, yeah. Was he? I'm no. I think he was. But anyway, because Alan Snedden signed for Motherwell, didn't he? I think. Oh, I can't remember. But I think, right, yeah, I so, think you're. I think you're right. All right. So and and Alan was a good player, great professional. So he's there, um, and then Archibald comes in, uh, and then Gordon Ray comes in. So you've got these three iconic players, you know, in charge of the club. And it was just like, a, it was like a, a rocket up the arse, if you like. Everybody just got that massive lift, you know, and uh, and he made, he did what he wanted to do. His training was totally different and uh, uh, it was all ball work. It was all, it wasn't so much about running. The only thing he did at the end of every training session was he would bet guys on how they could, if they could beat him at 10 yards and he, he never lost because he was a cheating beat. <laughs> but uh, your guys that were quick, we, like we, we Scotty, our 10 yards was quite was quite quick. Oh, that's kind of thing. But no, nobody could beat him. So that was the only, that's what I remember. He was really, he was just, he used just confidence. He never really talked about other teams because he didn't worry about other teams. He would just uh, make sure that we were ready, we were prepared. And it was all about what we were going to do, and it, it kind of it, it worked out that way because the, the time he was there, uh, we were really we were really good side, you know, and we, we caused a lot of problems for a lot of teams. So you could say you brought a, a Barcelona mentality to Methyl then. Is that what you're saying? Aye. Anybody else? Complete insanity. Well, it took us to Tenerife, so. I <laughs> should <laughs> take it the other way around as well. Aye. So. I mean, that's like for, for, for the younger, and I still class myself in this generation, for the younger generation fans listening to us, that's similar to somebody like, I don't know, Henrik Larsson coming to East Fife. I mean, obviously Henrik Larsson was at Barcelona, or Patrick Clivert or somebody like that coming yeah. to manage East Fife. It's complete insanity. And yeah. I, I wish I was... I was a, a, a bit more older when that, that was happening. It's just so I could appreciate it. But... When you look at it now, there was loads of TV and newspaper coverage, training trips to Spain, like you've mentioned, and a much higher profile for the club in general. What what was it like to be part of that? That must have been insane. Like playing a game of fives and training and looking up and Steve Archibald screaming at you for the ball. Yeah, that must have been amazing. I think he just took us on a crest of a wave, if you like. You know, on a wave of 
confidence, a wave of, uh, is this really happening type of thing, you know? And then to go to Tenerife, you're kind of like, really? It's the middle of December and we're going to Tenerife. I would use the term loosely, it was a training um, uh, uh, trip. If I, <laughs> we did group training in the morning, but that was about <laughs> that. Uh, Quite um, right. But um, aye, so... And we stayed in a, a, an amazing hotel. I can remember that. And you're like, Jesus. And you felt as though this is, must have been what it was like for him when he was a player. You know, staying in the top hotels, going to wherever you're going to go to play games, all that kind of stuff. And he, and he treated it as though we were a, he wanted to go full time. Yeah. Uh, that was one of his ambitions. And he just wanted it to be run in a professional full time, uh, take it to the next level. And possibly, if we if we had somebody that was had loads and loads of money, maybe we could have went to the next level. That might have been a possibility, but unfortunately, uh, uh, it's just not to be. Uh, that financial uh, money there wasn't wasn't available to even do that. And that, I suppose that was what kind of uh, that made them leave in the end. I suppose. Yeah. And is, is that your insight of that? Then is is that what happened? You, you felt that. Or do you know that Steve sort of felt that we maybe lacked ambition and that's why he decided to call it a day? Um, it, could, it could be that. I I remember having the, sitting in with a team talk or a team meeting and it was about the talk about going full time. And I was, I was, I'm still in the prison service, but I was in the prison service at the time and I'm thinking, how, how am I going to afford that? Is it, is it possible to do this? What are they going to have to pay me? And all that kind of stuff. Mm. And you try to work out the maths and they... And I think, to be fair, it was it was probably uh, a great idea, but something that financially, if you look at it from the outside, it was it was impossible, really. Yeah, it could probably have killed us if, as yeah. a club if we'd done it. Because I mean, you, yeah. you saw Gretna once the the bankrolling person is no longer there, it's like yeah. a downhill spiral after that. Like Wigan's another example of that as well. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. The thing is, we were being successful, and that's what sometimes when you get success, we'd been, we'd, we were winning, and we were uh, up at the top of the league type of thing. That success is uh, then makes people think maybe a wee bit higher. We can go here, we can do this, we can sign this player, we can do that, and it kind of, like I said, it was like a crest of a wave, and we we're doing great, and it just, uh, just one of the things. It was great at the time. It was uh, thoroughly enjoyable. Uh, a big target on the team's back, though. Because it's like all that publicity in the papers. Like one of my lasting memories of Archibald when he played in some of the games that he played mm. off, there was a game at Bayview. He got the ball in the middle of the park. He put his foot on the ball, pulled up one sock, put his other foot on the ball, pulled up his other sock. <laughs> Not one opposition player went near him the whole time. They just let him do it. He had this kind of aura about him of, uh, oh, we, can't, we can't go near him, he's Steve Archibald. So, I mean, I guess it probably did have a target on, on the team's back because everyone wanted to beat you because it's like, oh, here's, here's Billy Big Boys coming to town. Uh, there was a bit of that. And and to be fair, I mean, if you take, like, say, um, guys like John McStay coming in and uh, uh, boys like that, if you like, uh, we, we, we were going to the next level and we did have a really, really good side, you know, and, uh, and we were, there was a togetherness but. It's like in and see if you're being successful and you're doing well, there's always a togetherness. There's never a the, the, the togetherness comes through when you're struggling. That's when, when you're having a tough time, you can get through that. You know, so I was great at the time. 
thoroughly uh, enjoyed it. Uh, enjoyed my and uh, my time with Steve and Gordon Ray and Alan, Alan Snedden as the, the kind of three uh, uh, sort of team, if you like, together. They were brilliant for us. So, what's your memories of the day that we um, of the promotion season then, and, and the day that we clinched it at Clyde? Um, I think it was. Uh, I think it was we deserved it. It was just unfortunate we didn't actually win the league. Uh, but to get promotion was great. Uh, it was some. It's like anything in, in football. You, you, a season's uh, pr- promotion is decided over a whole season, so it's a it's a hard slog. You know, and you have your ups and downs throughout that season, and then to get the, the clinch it, it was amazing. It was great for the club. It was great for the the, the fans, and ultimately, we're out there uh, to do it for the fans. Ultimately, that's what you're out there for. They're they're the guys that pay your wages. They're the guys that come and watch every day, every week, uh, and and they're the ones that cheer you on. And if you're getting cheered on and you're doing well, then you you've got a great chance of having success, and that's what happened. It was a great, great time, and I, and uh, I, can, I think the night out was great as well. What I can remember, um, all that kind of stuff, and it was we used to, like Molly said back when he was on uh, some of the nights out we used to have were great. Uh, it was a, it was like a family club, uh, although I wasn't from Fife, obviously. Uh, um, so, but you were made to feel as though you were one. So maybe that's why I've. I've, I get on so well with the, uh, these five fans. Maybe that's how they remember me. Uh, but I always remember the fact that I was treated really well. Uh, never had any any issues at all uh, at the club. So it was great. When you were having the nights out during the Archibald era, did he come in the nights out with you, or did, was he quite aloof? Like, was he one of the one of the guys? Um. No, he was aloof. He, he, he was quite aloof. He, he wouldn't have come. Do me wrong. I remember when we were in Tenerife, he came out with us and he would be standing. And he, uh, because of who he was, people would, Spanish people or whoever would come up and speak to him mm. because of who he was. And he, and he would, and he, he never really spoke about, you'd ask him questions. Obviously, he wanted to know what was it like playing with Maradona? What was it like in the World Cup and things like that? And he was quite. Uh, he didn't really go into great detail. Uh, he would tell one or two stories, but uh, um, but he had a wee kind of dry sense of humour. The main guys that with the humour were, were Gordon Ray. Uh, Alan Snedden wasn't the funniest ever, but he was a great guy. But uh, but Gordon was the, the kind of guy that drove us on with that, that kind of uh, enthusiasm side of it, if you like. Uh, but I was he was he never really got involved in the night suit, to be honest with you. I mean, the, the highs of that, that promotion season, I think from a fan's point of view, we all, like you said, it was like riding a, a wave and it was, and I think we all got swept away with it. And then it was a very big down, down to bump the the next season. And I don't think any of us realistically saw it coming. I mean, that was the, the first time we'd got promoted in 12 seasons. And... We'd, we'd got back to the second tier of Scottish football. That was the last season as well that we've ever been been that high in, in Scottish football. I mean, you look back now, what was that, 96, 97 season? Yeah. That's like over 25 years coming up since we've been in the second tier of Scottish football. But I know I, I know you got injured that season, but, I mean, you'd, you'd have been like us watching from the sidelines. 
two wins the whole year. But I think I've written this down, minus 64 goal difference with 92 goals given up. Yeah. What, what was it? I mean, it must have been frustrating for you because you couldn't even be part yeah. of it. But I mean, what, what was the atmosphere like amongst the players at that point? Uh, well, Archibald was there at the start of the season, yeah. so we had that. We had that, um, and obviously, I was playing at that time. I remember it was against Falkirk. We beat Falkirk two nothing, uh, and it was Andy Gray. You know the the, uh, the big guy up front for them, uh, the black guy was up front for them. Andy yeah, Gray. and well, he, Chris Waddle was playing. I think that uh, game as well for Falkirk. Uh, so I, I tackled with my, it was my right knee that I done. So I tackled with my right leg now. I never ever tackled my right leg, very, very rare, right? So his weight and it got stuck in the ground and I felt something in my knee, but I played on and I played on for the next two or three games, I think it was. Uh, and uh, it was it was against uh, Strunrath, funnily enough. Uh, we got beat 1-0 that night and I was playing the ball, kind of trying to play it back the way and my knee just collapsed on me. So I was out. But Jimmy Bone then came in. Mm. Uh, Archibald had uh, moved on for then. Jimmy Bone had come in. And then it got to a stage where I think uh, there was a bit of desperation on what the results were going. And I got kind of, no, I wouldn't want to say forced, but kind of cajoled into, we need you back. So I came in back in against Falkirk and that's when my knee went totally. It didn't last long against Falkirk. There was obviously a problem there and it just went and that was it. I had to get the operation and that was me. My East Five career was finished. <laughs> yeah, I'd... I'd... We'll, we'll come to the way you left the club in a, in a sec, but like that that season, when when Archibald went, Jim Baxter had moved on, Daniskin had taken over as the chairman, we won't go into all that side of yes. stuff, but it's like that seemed a personality clash waiting to happen because both yeah. of them thought they ran the club, I, I feel. There'd been stuff in the papers that the players were going to go on strike and everything like that. Was that the case? Was it that close that you guys were going to go on strike? I can't, I can't really, I, I'll be honest with you, I can't really remember that. I, I, it wasn't a good place at, the, at that time because, like like football, if you're getting beat week in, week out, it's really difficult. Mm. And it was hard for me because I, was, I, I wasn't even able to, I was in rehab at the time. I was I was training through Motherwell, uh, going through training Monday to Friday because I was off my work, obviously going through rehab. So uh, it was we really Bud Portis, you mind Bud Portis? It was yeah. the physio. Uh, so he was through Motherwell at the time, so I got managed to get through there, which is great. Which it allowed me to get back probably quicker than you would if you were part time uh, uh, player and you were only getting part time sort of physio type thing. Hi, it was. It's hard to describe because I wasn't really on the training pitch. Mm -hmm. I wasn't really around about the club. So I was kind of uh, out of it, if that makes sense. And I didn't see much. Only times I would be there is probably at games. I'd be there for games or if I was getting some treatment for the, the physio or things like that. So it was difficult to see. You, you knew there was, an, uh, there was an aura about the place that, and no, no disrespect to Jimmy Bowen. Jimmy Bowen's, uh, I suppose, a legend in the game himself with what he's done. And he's been a manager and, and all that kind of stuff for decades. Who am I to say he's done things wrong? But um, I just felt that uh, that kind of uh, magic, if you like, that kind of sprinkle of magic had went, that uh, kind of Archibald had, had, had put across the place. 
and Jimmy tried to get back to old school type stuff about yeah. uh, uh, sticking to maybe the SFA uh, coaching manual, if you like. I don't know if that's a, the right phrase, but it was kind of uh, quite the same kind of things would happen every week. It would be the same. We'll keep doing this. We'll just keep this philosophy going where you need to change things sometimes, take a chance. And I didn't see that happening, uh, in my opinion. It, I, I just remember being at Dens Park for a game and we lost 7-1. And I was thinking, mm. why am I even coming to this anymore? But he was still went every week. And it was just Aye. one of the most depressing times of, of watching the team. And that's saying mm-hmm. something because it had been pretty bad some some seasons before that, but then like you that was that was to be the la- the last season that you were at yeah. East Fife. There was the contract issue. Yeah, my memory of it's a little bit foggy, but I seem to remember that you were kind of locked out of the club almost. It's like you were in an impasse. The two of you you, you weren't going to sign the deal. From a quick bit of research, they offered you something like just twenty five quid a week. And you're like, you're captain, you've given this team six mm. six years. It must have felt like a bit of a kick in the face. Aye. <laughs> it doesn't seem a lot of money, £25, when you talk about it now. Yeah. No, I, I mean, uh, to be fair, Jimmy wasn't even bad to me or anything like that, but I just thought that um, they weren't, I think there was a there was an air about, am I going to come back from my injury? Am I going to be able to play? Am I going to, and there's that, do we offer somebody a contract again? that's the same as maybe the rest of them or a wee bit more than somebody else or whatever and he's not even played a season uh, we've been relegated things, the, the, the goalposts have changed if you like and I, and I suppose um, I think there was a uh, a bad taste in the mouth I suppose and you, there was no bossman at that time mm. so you were you were tied to the club so so uh, there was a stalemate so they, they wouldn't release me uh, if I was to go and sign with somebody, they'd need to go and pay money probably, uh, or agree a fee, or it goes to a tribunal and all that kind of stuff. It got a bit messy, unfortunately. And uh, uh, and but that's that's football, you know. Uh, uh, it happens sometimes. Um, certainly, there's no ill feeling with East Five whatsoever. That's football. That's you good. Know, uh, no, 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 not at all. Um, uh, I've never uh, had great times at East Five, so. Because uh, it was just unfortunate that's how it ended. If I'd, I hadn't got injured, it maybe been a different story altogether. Or I signed a deal, and we might not, we might not get relegated. You don't know. You can you can never say. I know. I, we'll talk in a little bit just about some of the the big games there. But kind of to draw a line and the the, the playing bit, you played with a lot of centre half partners in your time at East yeah. Fife. Who was your favourite? guy to play alongside who who do you feel brought the best out of your game and allowed you to to be the best that you could be well one guy that made me look fast was Willie Burns yeah I, I mean that's the partnership I remember and probably PH as well like the two uh, of you Paul, together yeah Paul I played with Stuart Burgess I played with Stuart at mm. Falkirk and yeah he came to East Fife so I knew Stuart well um I probably the three that I remember is uh, PH, uh, Willie Burns, and uh, Stuart Burgess was probably the three I remember uh, uh, playing with. Uh, they were the sort of three centre halves. Uh, uh, mind you, the young guy, uh, young guys that were coming through, like uh, uh, 
John Cusick. Mm. He was really good. Great talent. Uh, bonkers, but a great talent. Uh, and boys like that coming through. Uh, uh, so I, uh, that would be the, the, the sort of ones I remember. In fact, I've got them on my, one of them on my team. And I, I, I did say to you, I was like, you need to get your thinking cap on. I get, I, I, Michael will tell you, the all-time 11 things is, is like sort of my, my baby in the, the podcast. And then I forget to tell people and ask them until the day of it. And they're like, you're asking me to come up with 22 players off the top of my head I, now. I know. So I was super organised with Dave. I gave him like three or four days notice. To... If I had to come up with like players I'd even seen, I would need about a week or so to sit and think oh, about it. And Torture. Trust me, it was torture. Being a prison officer then and playing football must have been a tough juggling act. So how did, I mean, being a prison officer in general must be a, a pretty tough job, but how did you find balancing your job and your football career? Uh, torture. I was uh, swapping shifts. And a lot of guys, that, if there's any guys that work beside me or have worked with me, if they're listening into this, I'll be thinking, aye, you're right, it was torture because I had to swap shifts for you and work for you. <laughs> So I owe, I owe guys a lot of shifts and a lot of thanks. It was hard. You had to swap shifts. You had to. I would work a back shift, so I would try and get a rest day on a, a Thursday. Usually, if I was back shift, that would be a Thursday. So it was the, the, the training night before the game on the Saturday because everybody played every Saturday. There wasn't any of your really midweek stuff and all that. Yeah. So, uh, I so you would miss one training session out of the, th- out of the four, really. Uh, and uh, trying to swap, I would I would be coming away from my work at twelve o'clock, working in the morning. Somebody would cover me in the afternoon. I'd have to fly up to East Fife, up to Bayview, so I'd make the game and things like that. It was hard. It was hard going, but I I did it. And I've done it for thirty years, so there you go. And we believe that you maybe work with another former East Fife player. Is that right? You uh, and Donaldson. Donaldson, yeah. Aye, Ewan, Ewan's ah. my team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so there you go, two two defensive stalwarts in uh, different generations. Yeah, one of um, Lee's favourites. Yeah. Um, we've spoken to you and we're going to get you and on. Um, I need to drop him an email this week, actually, and hope to get him on in the coming weeks. But we're trying to de- like get different generations in. Because I'm in charge of getting all the guests on, I was getting right. all the sort of people from my generation on selfishly. Um, and not getting any of the older generation. Sorry, that includes you. <laughs> so, all right. All right. Tell, tell you to listen into your show, and then he could let himself uh, know what he's going to be letting himself in for. So we'll, we'll get back into football again. So you're, you saw your career out, or your senior career anyway, with Berwick, Alwa, and Forfar. Four heading to the juniors and won the Scottish Junior Cup with Linlithgow Rose in 2002, which also included another East Fife legend in Dickie Gibb. So what's your memories of that day? And... When you look back at it, do you feel that that's a highlight of your career? It's hard. I mean, iconic games. That I mean, Molly touched on the one with Dundee United. I suppose my the, the most memorable game that I've, I've played in was against my United when we played them in a, a oh, of course. Tournament. So that'd probably be the most iconic game if you're talking about what what the team was that they yeah. played against us was. was I fr- yeah, I forgot to put any questions in about that altogether. That totally uh, slipped my mind. I uh, so. Probably iconic games. That's probably the, the one that always, always in my career, I would say that was a game and a half. But uh, yeah, um, the, the, when I was at Alawa, when we won the, we got promotion and we won the, the Challenge Cup. It was against Inverness Cali. Had a horrendous game that day, by the way, in the final. 
we, I think it was four each at finish, and it went, or three each, but four each went to penalties. Uh, I gave away a penalty, got booked, and I missed a penalty. So I had a great game that day. <laughs> Much to the annoyance of Terry Christie. But uh, so that was that was a good season at Alloa. That that I remember that. You, you remember your successes and the, and the season we had with Steve Archibald and getting promotion, and the game against Dundee United. Another one, I remember the game against Man United, and that season we got promoted. Is it is the kind of memories I have for my time at East Fife, and then there's the Alloa one. Berwick was really good. I enjoyed my time at Berwick. We uh, I played this beside uh, John Clark. He was other centre half. He another. Uh, iconic player for Dundee United. Um, uh, and then at Forfa, my last club, senior, um, I, I signed there. It, went really, it started off really well, was captain, and then it went a wee bit sour at the end. El comes into travelling, training. The new manager comes in, doesn't he like, he wanted everybody to train at Forfa, where before we were training in Dunblane. So there's a big difference between Dunblane and training at Forfa. It was really difficult. But that's uh, and then moved on to Lithgow, Lithgow Rose. Yes, this the, the my first season there was. Uh, it could you could say it was probably the most enjoyable season I had in football, if you like, along with other wee bits and pieces that I've, I've spoke about. Uh, where we, I think we we won every cup that was going bar bar one. So we had a we had a great side. We Dickie Gibb followed me. Well, he was already there actually, and I came there. Me, Dickie Gibb was there, um, and we won the, the Scottish Junior Cup. It was great. It was Jim Sinnott was the manager, who who was a Stennis Muir bone. He won this cup with bonus and things like that. So it was great. It was uh, yes, it was an enjoyable day. We, I remember the day actually winning the cup. Uh, we stayed at Dumblane Hydro, and we all got suits. We all got bags, so we're all all dressed in the same suit. And uh, we stayed the night in Dumblane Hydro. So we felt that, obviously, we feel like superstars. Eh? And for some guys that uh, at the junior level, that, it was amazing for them because they'd never experienced something like that. Near a dad, really, to be honest with you. So, um, and then we got took to the game. The wives were all taken away and they were given a meal and things like that. So we're treated brilliantly. Uh, we won the game. And... Uh, uh, after the game, we went back to Lilithgow, and you can imagine what Lilithgow itself was like. It was the streets were full of people. We had an open top bus going through. Uh, we had a civic reception. It was bonkers. Uh, it was a uh, one of the most memorable days probably in football I can remember, uh, apart from probably the Man United game. Uh, uh, but it was great. Aye. So I, I love jun- junior football and just what it means to those communities and you see it in Ayrshire in particular but it's just I just think it's fantastic that these clubs now have a chance to to play in the in the Scottish football pyramid proper uh, well I think the, the club I'm at now managing me uh, Big Fraser Duncan who used mm. to be he played at East Fife I don't know if you remember Big Fraser yes at East Fife he's your era um, Lee no, it's not, it's big Fraser, Fraser Duncan, big Fraser Duncan played with when uh, Jim Muffet was a manager. That that is bang on my era as well. <laughs> yes, there you go. Quite, quite. Big Fraser was about. Big Fraser was uh, uh, played at Ipswich and still in Albion, uh, and he came to East Fife. He'd been in his mid twenties, I think, early twenties. Uh, big left back, Matt, uh, about six foot four. Anyway, oh, see, the, the issue was then he wasn't putting you in at the team. 
That's what I didn't remember. Aye, that's right, aye. Um, so, uh, what was I saying? Um, so, yeah, we were just touching a bit on, um, obviously, the, the, the highlight of your career. And, and what was it? Well, just tell us what was it like, you know, obviously you had your civic reception and stuff. I mean, that must have been an amazing experience on the whole. Oh, it was, it was, it was frightening. And, uh, I mean, even the build-up to the game, every shop, every person that, that lived in Lithgow, would, it was bonkers. It was just a, a whole atmosphere, a full family atmosphere. It was just mental. Um, and uh, then the, the civic reception, the, the open top bus, the things after it. So you were going to any pub you went into, you never bought a drink. People were running up to you, giving you bottles of champagne, handing it up to you when you're in the bus and all that kind of stuff, you know. And uh, so it was great. It was amazing. And then the following season, we actually got to the final again, but we got beat in the final. So we had the same again. We were in an open-top bus, even though we got beat. So you're going through the tune, there's still the fans out, uh, still uh, wishing you all the best. So um, it was great. It was a great time, I. So, Fraser Duncan made 10 appearances in the 2004-2005 season, Lee. There we go. He's the manager at Socky, and I'm his assistant. Well, before we go if on to your assistant... If, if he's five forever looking for a management team, we're available. Oh, <laughs> we'll keep you in mind. There you go. Would that be, all joking aside, would that be a dream for you? Is that something you would love to do? Yeah, aye. Aye. Um, of course it would be. It'd be great. Uh, Fraser, Fraser uh, if a, Fraser's got what it takes. He's, he's like a big guy, six foot four. He's got that aura about him. He's really, he's a, a young, a young, what is he, 38, I think. So in management terms, he's, he's quite young. Um, and he's got that, he's got the tactics, he's got that um, desire to do well. And if you look at a record at Socky, the times that me and him have been together there, we've done really well. So I. We had a chance, I think we were just about had a chance to get to Lithgow Rose and maybe manage them. There was a chance maybe still an Albion. It didn't happen, but that's just the way it is. Yeah, you know what it's like. It can, can be a football management and getting into clubs can be a bit fickle at times. Yeah. Depending on who you know. Yeah, we've it's talked about that on the show. <laughs> it's, 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 it's more about, um, you know, what level you've played at or what your name's attached to rather than what your ability is. But Look, yeah. I'm going to be selfish here and I'm going to really grill you on that Man United game because I am a Manchester United fan and right. I wasn't actually at that game and it's something that I'll never forgive my dad for. Um, <laughs> um, my dad went, but I never. Um, so what what was your memories of that game? And, and, and looking back now on some of the players that have played in that match. Yeah, I was just looking up the, the squad that season for Man so, U. Do you want to tell our listeners, Michael, who was in the, the squad that day? Well, see, they, they played a lot of their young guys. And there was this young guy that no one had really heard of, David Beckham. And he scored a goal from about the halfway line, I seem to remember. And then a couple of weeks later, he did it for Man U against Wimbledon. And it was on match yeah. of the day. And then everyone knew about David Beckham. Did Phil Neville play in that game, Davy? Because I know I'm the Neville honest. brothers played that season, but I, can't, I don't know if he played... My, my recollection that I can remember, the, the, the team was, it wasn't Smichaels and Goals, it was, um, I can't remember his name. Van der Howe? Uh, uh, yeah. Raymond Van der Howe? He would have been kicking about at that time. 
No, I was an uh, English I, guy. I know, I know that Dennis Irwin played. Uh, I think Paul Parker played. But you had you had Beckham, you had uh, Roy Keane, uh, I think Paul Scholes, uh, Lee Sharp, Brian McClare was up front, and I'm trying to think of the other one that was playing. Steve Bruce oh. played in it. Steve Bruce, that's right. Aye, he played. It's, it was bonkers, the team. And uh, when you look back, at that time, they were just young guys, the same as like Beckham's and your schools were all young guys too. Like, like we were kind of young, if you like. Oh, and... Uh, but it was great. Uh, Giggs, he didn't play. He got injured. I think they were playing Aberdeen before they came to us. So they were on their way back down the road, if you like. It was Jimmy Bond Thrones uh, mm, testimonial. testimonial. Yeah. I've still got the quake, by the way. We, oh. we, got, we, got, we got presented with a quake uh, with a, with a, with a Jimmy Bond Throne testimonial, Man United thing. Uh, so I've still got that in my, my garage. Um, Aye, and uh, Giggs, he missed the game because he got injured, I believe, up at Aberdeen. Uh, but the, the team was frightening. When you look back at that time, what they went on to achieve, these guys, yeah. it was, I think, Scholes came on and uh, uh, Black, Clayton Blackmore was playing. and uh, ugh, It was just uh, uh, bonkers. But it was great. It was a great day. And I, I think I had a good game that day. Uh, but uh, we go beat 4-0. But that was, but we actually did better than the scoreline. Actually, kind of Beckham scored two raspers, like you're saying. I think he scored the one that you said, and then he scored a free kick. Uh, but uh, but it was a great day. The, the place was mobbed. Right, let, let's get back on uh, your career then. Now as a, as an assistant manager, so you went into management and you hung up your boots, and you've been assistant manager at Socky Junior for a decade now. So a long time there. So how I had a wee break. I had a I had a two year, three year break in in there. Ah, I left okay. for three years. Yeah, that's my fault. <laughs> that's all right. It's cool. It's cool. Yeah. I'll rephrase that. So you went into management after <laughs> hanging up your boots, and you've been there for on and off ten years. Um, yeah. How do you how did you find that transition then, and what's kept you there for as long as you've been there? It's I found it tough because. Um, you get to a certain age, right? And uh, when I hit 40, I was still playing. I was still uh, doing that. And then I got to about 42 and I, and, uh, and there was no offside when I played then because I was that deep. Nobody could get in behind me anyway because couldn't run then. Eh? So I decided it's time to hang up the boots. Eh? So I went to the, I went to the management way. I was actually, I was offered the job before Fraser and I was working as a, uh, in the prison service. I knew I wasn't going to have the time to put all, all my efforts into it. And uh, I was playing with Fraser at uh, Tullabody Amateurs. That was the name of the team at the time. And I said to Noel Daly, who was the, the chairman at the time, I says, look, didn't he make me the manager? Make him the manager. He's got what it takes. So Fraser became the manager and I was his assistant. And it, the, I, I, I'll be honest with you, Stocky hasn't looked back since, since Fraser's come in. He's got everything that you, you want as a manager, as far as I'm concerned. He's got that desire. But his work ethics is, is bonkers, uh, and it and it, and it kind of puts me to shame because of his work ethic. And you, you, you try to keep up with him, if, if that makes sense. But I, I enjoy I enjoy coaching. I love to, to to teach guys, make them better. You know, try and give them uh, try and make them uh, the defence especially. Uh, try and make them better. Do the things that hopefully will make the team better. Uh, we've got some cracking players, and some players that we've got our team. You think why they're not playing senior? You know, that kind of, some of them have played senior, you know, so 
Um, but really enjoy it, thoroughly enjoy it. Uh, it's great, it's great. It's always great when you have great results, so it's a great time. And it's and like I said, the, 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 the two times are when you're up against it and you come through that and then you, you see the light at the end of the tunnel. That's a great feeling. And we're doing real well. We're in, the, I, thought, I don't know if it's the fifth tier, sixth tier Scottish football. Uh, you've got the Lowland League and then you've got the, the Premier League below that. So technically, if we were to win this this year and then go up to the Lowland and then win that, we'd been to the, the Scottish Leagues. So, Is he in the Hibs League then? Are you in the same no, league? No, I think they're below, a league below. Oh, yeah. uh, we're in the league where Lithgow Rose. Bonesco got promoted last year into the league where Kelty and that are. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Aye, so they'll be the one. Yeah, yeah. and Glenrothes is in the league below Socky as well. Yeah, yeah. So, aye, we're doing all right. We're, we're, doing, we're doing great. It's a great facility up at Socky now. We've revamped all the changing rooms and things, although we've not been able to use them, unfortunately. But uh, everyone's uh, looking great. So, thoroughly enjoying it. I came back in it only because of Fraser, because Fraser had uh, went to Dubai with his job and then he came back and says, look, I want to go back into management. Socky's asked me to come back in. Will you come in with me? I kind of hummed and hawed because I love my golf. Uh, and I, I went, right, okay, I'll get two weeks. And I've been, we're now over a year into it now, eh? so that two weeks, two weeks is uh, now gone. <laughs> uh, so we're back in it. Did it ever, obviously you answered that it- sort of yourself that you were offered the role first. Is it just the case that the your job, your day job, had to take more precedent over potentially a management career? Aye. I, I, what I regret when I, when I actually played football was no actually going and getting all the coaching badges that you can go for and things like that. And, and that kind of opens doors for you before you even spoke to anybody, if you like. But, um, yes... I like I like the coaching side of it now. I, I'm more a I'm more am a, am a great coach. No, I'm no. I would say I'm more a man manager if that makes sense. More about uh, a motivator and about uh, I, I suppose I maybe uh, sell myself short. Maybe tactically I'm always aware of things that are going on. Me and Fraser are always on the same wavelength. So we both we both played centre half. We both played left back. If you like. We both played in the same position type of thing. So we're always thinking about what's the best thing for the team, but we're always wanting to be in the front foot. So I management's been has been good. It's been great to see guys develop into, and guys enjoy themselves. You, you just want to put a smile on people's face, eh? Uh, and that's and that's what you want to do. You want to do it for the fans, you want to do it for the players, and ultimately you want to do it for the guys that do all the work for nothing, you know, the volunteers that come in and do all that stuff, you know. And they, and, and people don't they uh, think about them, but uh, aye, we're doing all right. We're doing all right. If, if you've got a young guy coming into you, what what's your advice to a young player that's just starting out in his in his career just now? Because the, the game's so different, as we touched on earlier, to to what it was like when you played. I mean, if you if you look at part time players now, they're they're like a full time player back when I played. You know, when I was full time, because they're that because part time players are really fit. You've got that uh, sports science and you've got dietitians and things like that. So a young boy coming into the game has got to start early, as far as I'm concerned. We never had anything like that. It was You played on a Saturday and then you went and, go and had a few pints and then you turned up on a Tuesday, basically. That's what it was. Unless you wanted to train in between the times, eh? And I think Molly touched on that. Uh, yes, you've got to live, you've got to live eating 
you've got to live that dream if you like, and you've yeah. got to start yeah. early. And it's tough because you've got so many other influences going on: uh, the Xbox, the PlayStation, the the social media is bonkers. We never had any like that. Uh, uh, and there's and they see things on TV that I wouldn't have saw. Now you're watching TV, uh, football every minute of the day. You can watch it every minute, every day, and you're watching how the players react and how they how they play and what 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 they're expected to do. So so play, young boys will try and mimic that and try and do that, and they'll and, the, and they'll get disheartened because they, they can't do what they, you see these top guys doing, you know. And that's that's the hard thing. I just think that youth football just now that that level has is, is saturated with loads of boys going along. Uh, I, I mind being at Alawa Football Club uh, with the soccer boys and seeing a, a training session going on. There must have been 30 young boys. It's great to have young guys out training, but there was 30 guys, young young lads, trying to do training, and they were standing about for two, three, four minutes waiting in their turn, waiting their chance to do a wee exercise thing, and then they're frozen again, having to wait another three, four minutes. You've got to keep people involved, and it's about breaking that up, I, I suppose. But it's it's. I think we're going to struggle. I think that the next generation is going to struggle. I do. I think. I think there might be. Uh, Issues with where are we going to get players from? We always get players somehow, but where are we going to get? I think we've had a wee a wee nugget now, as far as Scotland's concerned, with with, with players coming through uh, that are playing in the Premiership. So we've got a wee we've got a wee chance of maybe creating a wee upset at the, the Euros. Hopefully, touch wood. Uh, I've got my ticket. I'm gone already. I'm gone. I'm there. I'm doing it Wembley. Lucky you. So, <laughs> I mean, so, well, um, but that's the thing, though, because like we we touched on it earlier, like we're both of the age where we watch Scotland at all these World Cups, but uh, you've got young kids that's never seen that, so it's nothing mm. to aspire to. Whereas now, no. this might actually make some of these guys think, "Yes, I, I can play in the on the world stage, or maybe be at a World Cup." Because Qatar, obviously, these young guys wouldn't be that. But twenty twenty six over here in North America. It's a very doable thing. They're talking about a 48-team tournament. Scotland yeah. should be there. These young guys Hopefully. could be there. You're spot on. You're spot on. Aye, hopefully. And it lights up that, that wish to get involved in football again. And it's not to say that there isn't a young boys going to be playing football. I just feel there's there's a lot of emphasis on... There's, it's not really got a competitive edge till you get to a certain age. I never have ever experienced that. It was always competitive. It was always in a league. You're always playing. And that was what it was. I just feel that it's just about, yes, I can understand why, because we're in a kind of society now that's about inclusion and making sure everybody's involved. And I get that. Uh, it's just a, it's just a balance. It's difficult because you need, to, you need to produce winners as well. If you didn't produce winners, we're going to struggle with eh? Yeah, it just it feels like a bit of a lost generation that Scotland's yeah. had. Canada just now has got a bit of a golden generation here, but right. like even at at the Whitecaps in Vancouver, we had a lot of guys that kind of came through the youth ranks 2012, 13, 14, and they were all like they'd been told their whole youth career, "Oh, you're going to be great, you're going to be big." So as soon as they hit 18 and they signed a deal with the Whitecaps, it's like, I, I, I should be playing first team. And it's like, no, you've still got to earn your stripes. Yeah. And then a lot yeah. of them got pissed off and they've moved on. And some of them's playing like fifth, sixth tier in Europe. And it's like, yeah. just they want to be a professional footballer. Uh, 
it's, it's tough. Aye, it's just a mentality, isn't it? It's having the right mentality. Aye, I'm sure it must be frustrating as a coach sometimes as well. Can be. I, I want to to look at a couple of of games that, that you played in. But before that, like again we touched on this. For a centre back, you were a, a fantastic goal scorer. Overall, according to the stats that I got on this Neil Brown site, 435 appearances, 58 goals. I'm pretty sure it's more appearances than that at the senior level, but that's what we're going with. That worked out a goal kind of every seven and a half games. But when you look at what you did with East Fife, just pulling that back up again, I mean, you're, you're talking about a, a goal every about six games. And I know you were great with free kicks, you took some penalties, you were great in the air, but for a centre-back, that's a pretty impressive goal-scoring record. Well, thanks. I, um, I, I always seem to get my fair share of goals or chip in with the goal now and again. Yes, sometimes I was... T- for example, when I went to Lithgow Rose my first season, I was second top goal scorer. I scored 26 goals that season. I, I saw that when I was like doing some research and I was like, that can't be right. <laughs> Aye, but I was—I took the penalties to be fair, but okay. you're right. But these, but they, but aye, uh, I think I um, just just been in, in the right place at the right time. But taking penalties was was a bonus, obviously, because that's going to get you maybe three or four goals a season potentially. Yeah. You know, but uh, aye. <laughs> I, wanna... I, want, I want to take you back then to December seventh, nineteen ninety-one, Scottish Cup game at Bayview against Queens Park. You scored a hat trick in I think eleven minutes in a six nil nice. win. Now there's not many centre backs who scored a hat trick either, but it's like what what's your memories of that game? That must be. I mean, we've talked about some of your match highlights. That must be a game that's right up there for you. Aye, um, well, it's only hat trick I've ever scored, I believe, in football that I can remember uh, at senior level. Anyway, I can't I remember like ever this. seeing another centre back score a hat trick. Yeah. To be honest. It was just, I suppose it was a crazy 11 minutes, we could say. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> um, again, I think, um, I can't remember. I don't think one of them was a penalty. I think it was one was a free kick. Yeah. And I'm, uh, I'm, I think one was a free kick. One was, a, I think one was a kind of tap and, and one was a header. Uh, I think that I'm trying to remember. It's that long ago. I know. I but vaguely I remember, remember a free kick and a header. And I could not tell you the third. I think I think uh, the the the, th- the third was a kind of a tapping. I was just there and just stuck a leg out and went in. Away we go. But uh, was it frosty that day? Was it was a game in doubt that day? I don't know. I I'm sure that must have been a game that was filmed as well. So it might be one of these ones that I've got somewhere in video. I'm gonna have to try and uh, find that. But de- December that, I, at Old Bayview, I think there's a good chance it would have been frosty. Uh, we had that overhanging stand that made the pitch pretty bad at the best of times. I'm just thinking if it was one of the games that I went for a drink on the Friday night because I thought the game was going to be off. <laughs> and I sobered up for 11 minutes. <laughs> oh. Well, I, I want to take you back to the other Scottish Cup game that we talked about. Molly talked about it as well. January 26th, same year, 1991. So, yeah. obviously different season, but... I was two. Thank, thanks for that, Lee. Yeah. You, uh, missed, thanks, the, you yeah. missed the heartbreak. I, I have that down as one of the two most heartbreaking games I've ever been at. The other one was another, it was a cup final, Vancouver Whitecaps, 
I want to say 2015, might have been 2016, we'd never won the Canadian Cup and we were in four minutes of stoppage time. We were about to win it. It was a two-legged game. We were up and away goals and everything. And then our goalkeeper and centre-back collided and the ball broke to the Toronto player who just lobbed it in from 25 yards. And we were all like, I don't believe this. And I just had all these flashbacks of Dundee United it was like the fifth minute. The only good thing about it is the Toronto guy that scored broke his leg because our centre-back went straight through him as he tried to stop him kicking the ball. (laughs) That's a small solace. But yeah, Dundee United, 1-0 up, 97th minute. Don McVicker finding time from God knows where. And then Paddy Connolly ties it up as one-all. I I just remember Bayview, the silence, obviously apart from the United fans, but in amongst the Bayview fans... You could have had a pin drop. What was it like being on the pitch? And just what's your memory of that that game overall? I think Molly uh, summed it up really well, but it was a disaster. Just deflation because you knew it was a replay. Yeah. And it, and it, and uh, and you're thinking seven minutes. You you're just you suppose it, it might be that wee bit of concentration goes out your head because you're looking at the ref. You're thinking when's he going to blow? When's he going to blow? We're just about there. We're going to do it. And you're kind of no really focused on actually we need to, I think it was a throw in doing the doing the right hand side, I believe, what I can remember. And it was a they, they won a throw in. And I am not even sure if it was their throw in, but they got thrown, I think, and they went in and then they scored for it. I think what I can remember. I can't even but, remember much. All, all I remember is us all whistling and then it just going quiet and feeling the uh, deflation. That's I, I don't even remember Jim Cowell's goal to put us up. I remember the replay really well. Yeah, and taking the lead, and Stuart Wilson hitting that beautiful volley, and a volley, aye. but it was some, some strike goal of the season actually. But I remember that before the game, uh, the team talk for Gav Murray, uh, uh, the first game at Bayview. So you can you can imagine that Bayview's kind of uh, we have been really tight with the with the crowd and Toppy, and it's and you can hear the noise outside, people are excited and all that. Gavin Murray's gone round everybody and he's, and he's talking and he's saying, right, come on. He says, the game plan, he says, right, there's a weak link in the team and I'm telling you right now, the weak link, and we're all like, what's he talking about? And he's going on. He says, I'm telling you, this is how we're going to win. Play on this man. And he went, and he'd weak like Morris Malpas. And everybody kind of went quiet and went, fucking Scotland legend, fucking Morris Malpas, arguably the best fullback Scottish football. <laughs> he said was the weak link. But he was probably true to his, what he said because we did kind of batter them with high balls and things like that. Eh? But uh, aye, Morris Malpas, and you're just looking at him going, oh, really? But we did brilliant that day. We, we, we were really, really unlucky. Uh, and one each flattered them, if I'm being honest. Oh, yeah. Because uh, we, we should have won it. We could have won it maybe a, with a couple of goals. But hey, it was disappointing. It was The thing is, we had a second chance. And we went up there and we gave it as good as we got. You know, it was a really... And we took them to extra time, which is in a second game. And I could just imagine Jim McLean going bonkers uh, after the first game and then going bonkers even though they won again after the second game because that was what it was like. But uh, it, was, uh, it was a great time. It was just really deflating, you know. But I mean, we when you look at a season... When you look at a season, you yeah. go, Christ, what, that? what happened to the season when you're putting out performances like that? I know, it goes back to we had such a good 
team that just could not string consistency together. No, no. But I mean, that game was at the Old Bayview and we've not had many players on that played at Old Bayview. I, I miss the place. It just had such character. The new stadium's never going to be what I feel is home just because I, I started off as a little boy going to Bayview. But what's your memories of that as a stadium? I know it was crumbling and falling to bits towards the end. Uh-huh. and it, I've been in the dressing rooms there and they weren't the biggest. No, they're, they're definitely old school uh, kind of dressing rooms. I remember getting sent off. Um, I can't remember the team, but I got sent off and I came in and I kicked I kicked the door. And then because the place is crumbling, I put my foot right through the door and got stuck. So I remember the week... Someone asked us about that today on Twitter to ask you about that. Glenn Someone Walker asked us to, to get, ask you about that. So I got pulled out the, the door, I and uh, coming into training the Tuesday, we Dickie Gibb, uh, he, uh, well, he, he, you know the size of wee Dicky, so he didn't have to bend down to look at the door, to be honest with you. It was only a couple of feet high. So wee Dicky's sticked his head through the hole and his head right out as I'm coming in. Can <laughs> <laughs> give me pelters. But I, I wrecked the door, much to my annoyance. But anyway, I was, it was a great place to play because it was, the crowd was right on top of you. Mm. Um, uh, and you got that feeling, especially doing the hill, if you could get if you get the game going and you the crowd's right in the back of you, I mean it was if you're trying to defend doing that hill, it was torture, especially if you're on a and you've got the whole East Five crowd in the back, you know. So uh, it was a great place, great memories, uh, the, the social club right next to it and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, miss all that. In there, many, many, many <laughs> time after the game. So we're going to go on and we're going to give you some of our listeners' questions because there's something I actually wish we did a bit more and let listeners post their questions to you. But there's one from one of our former teammates who follows us on Twitter, Steve Hutchin. Um, right. He's asked if you want to remember losing a fortune turn playing cards on the bus to Palmerston. Uh, I like me gamble, but I, I, I can't remember uh, ever losing. Probably, he's probably right. Aye, how much was the fortune? Did he actually say how much it was? Oh, he just said a fortune. That was the only thing that he came back with. <laughs> Aye. That was one from him. Um, we then had a few other, and a lot of people I want to ask is, who the hardest player you've ever played against was? Oof. Uh, I don't... Um, I remember playing with Dennis Muir and it was a, a hard lesson I learned uh, uh, playing against this player. It was against Clyde Bank and uh, I'd gone to the team and it was the same kind of thing. You think you've made it, you think, oh, I'm in the team. And it was Ken Eady and he gave me a batter that night. Gave me an absolute batter. And he scored two goals. We got beat 3-0. And I was I was gutted after the game. I'm thinking, you, you question yourself and you think, am I good enough? But he was experienced, really on the top of his game at the time, and he just he threw me a bit like a rag doll. Hard lesson. It, it gave me a good a good uh, 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 kick up the backside. Not to think you're as good as you think you are. Uh, Ken Eady was difficult. That's a hard, one of the hardest games I had. Or one of the guys I remember. But Dunk Ferguson was a hard game. The replay. Molly mentioned that. And I was trying to work out how I'm going to get the better of him because it was really difficult to beat because of his height and he's, he was quite a strong young boy eh, at the time. And you're like, eh. but 
actually actually had no bad game, but it was just really tough. That he was he was he was a tough opponent. But probably Kennedy is the one that always sticks in my mind. Um, Ali Graham's another one. He was a hard guy because he's a big guy. Had many a battle with Ali. What about the in terms of toughest opponent? Somebody that's you know made sure that they've left Lorania when they went into attack all or somebody that's, that's roughed you up. Ali Graham. I was gonna say apart from Molly. <laughs> well he broke my nose. Yeah. Molly broke my nose. Uh, Ali Graham probably. I had I had many a battle and a fight in a tunnel with Ali Graham when he was at Stirling Albion. But yeah. we've we have spoke since all them um uh, the times. Uh, he was a he was a handful. I was a handful as well, so it was a good battle. <laughs> you and Masson wants to know what's your favourite cheese. My favourite cheese. Yeah, that's that's a non-football related one, but you know what? Uh, like That's what they want to know. Oh my god! I'm just going to be uh, cheddar. I'll just say I'll just say cheddar. I, don't I know. thought you were going to come out with garlic roulade or something like that. <laughs> no, <laughs> cheddar. I like so, it. I that could know. be that could be our new section. I'll have to get a song for it though. Yeah. So one more question to ask you, and then we'll go on to your final elevens, and then we'll finally let you go after. Yeah, so, thanks. Thanks for all being right. with us, cool. Stevie. I'm yeah, all right. I'm um, fine. We've, we've, look, I don't. I can only speak for myself, but I've thoroughly enjoyed listening to it, and we've loved loved your stories as well. And if any of our listeners know who this one-eyed bus driver is, then he's oh. got potential <laughs> to get his own episode as well. Oh, definitely. Uh, so, I mean, look, you touched on something which I always ask players that we've had on, and it's about memorabilia. So you had your quake um, that you got from the Manchester United game, but did you, have you ever swapped shirts with someone? Have you, have you got anything from your, your playing days or even your managerial days that you look back on with pride? Obviously, you'll have your Scottish Cup um, mm-hmm. medal kicking about somewhere. Yeah. But anything else? Um, I've got, um, obviously, the Scottish Junior Cup medal, uh, the Challenge Cup uh, medal as well, but uh, I got I've got a ma- I got my match in the Junior Cup final as well. So I've got this the kind of big book, you know, like a football book. They, they make it. Yeah. So I got interviewed and I had the worst interview ever after it. So so if you want to look at your YouTube or whatever, you'll see <laughs> uh, sweaty. Oh, we'll sweaty. find that. <laughs> uh, so, um, but uh, memorabilia wise, I probably the. The, the, the quake that I got uh, is probably my most memorable one, if you like, is that it's not many people get a chance to play against Man United and mm. to play against Man United when you're at East Fife is, is, is bonkers in a way, but great. But we also played against Rangers. I remember that in a pre-season friendly. We played against Rangers and uh, I always remember coming to the game and, and Duncan Ferguson, funnily enough, he was at Rangers at the time. He was just outside East uh, Methyl and I think he was struggling what way do I go? And I stopped and I said, look, are you looking for Bayview? And he went, aye, he says, follow me. So he followed me. Then we met each other again out in the park. He went, oh, all right, big man. I went, all right. So we played away. So Wally Burns was playing and uh, Ali McCoyce was up front. And I was like, David, he says, big man. He knew my name after the game, obviously, but he went, big man. He says, Wally Burns, is he t- I've never seen anything like it in my life. Says he couldn't have turned in fucking Glasgow Green. So Ali was winding Wally up like anything, eh? So uh, Wally's like, ah, I'm going to do him. Again, I says, no, didn't he? I'm his fucking Rangers legend. Chris, he's, he's, this is pre-season. Again, Wally was getting all upset. 
he was getting all agitated and wanted to go because Ali McCoy was just winding him up and then Duncan Ferguson got involved in it and all that. And I remember that uh, after the game, uh, uh, they were going out in Stirling uh, and they were going to Rainbow Rocks. I don't know if you've ever heard of that place, probably not. Since Stirling, this has gone back many years ago. And they were going out there, and I'm fair that kind of, I'm fair Alawa, so it's no far away. Eh? And I was going out with my pals, and uh, he says, right, if you come up to Rainbow Rocks, we'll, we'll have a, a seat, come in, and we'll look out for you. And I'm like, oh, fucking talking shite to me. Am I allowed to swear in this? Oh, I read it all the time. Aye. <laughs> <laughs> it. And it says, they're talking shite, they're talking shite, they're not going to be wanting to see me. They don't even remember me. So we, we went up to Rainbow Rocks. So it happens to be the boys that I was with, one was a Hibs, die-hard Hibs fan, another one was a die-hard Hearts fan, and there was me. So he walks in, and they're hanging, you're fucking at it, you know what And sure enough, there's Alan McCoy sitting, Duncan Ferguson, Ian Durant, they were all sitting there, and, uh, and Alan McCoy's waved us there, so we went in, and we sat with them all night, and we had a great night with them, had a great drink, great laugh, uh, but uh, all through that game, just all through that, that friendly that day. Brilliant. 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 Did you manage oh, to swap a jersey? No. Did you manage to swap a jersey with anyone in the Man U game? No, I don't think so. I, I can't remember. It's crazy. You'd think you would, eh? You'd think you'd be trying to swap. I might have. I don't know. What If I did, some of the, the jerseys that I had, like the, uh, that I did have, I gave to my mate that I worked beside. Uh, big joke McDonald's laddie called Stuart. I used to give him my jerseys when he was a wee boy and he's still got them. So I'll need to have a look at the jerseys. So he maybe has got the jersey for the Man United game. Ah, he's got the jersey good. for the he's got the jersey for when we got promoted at East Fife. He's got the jersey for uh, the Challenge Cup, the jersey for the uh, Worthy Rose when we won the cup. So he's got the jerseys, eh? But aye, maybe. I'll maybe I'll maybe get in touch with him and find out. I think I mentioned this on one of our other shows, but it, it was always funny when Zlatan was here in MLS, when it was like deep into stoppage time to see which player just was staying close to him so that as soon as the final whistle went, he could go, oh, can I just get your jersey? <laughs> <laughs> ah, that True, would be right? me. Definitely. That would definitely be me. Right, so we're coming on to quite a lot of our, our listeners' favourite part, which is ironically always the end, so don't take that personally. Uh, we That's want right. to hear your best time, uh, best all-time 11 that you've played with, and then we'll follow that with your best 11 that you've played against. All oh, right. Right, so the best 11 that I played with, so I had a choice of two keepers. It was Lindsay Hamilton or Gordon Marshall. So I went with Gordon Marshall. I played with Gordon Marshall at Falkirk, uh, who was the crabbiest goalie I've ever played in front of, but great, great for a centre-half, really. No matter if you're winning four nothing, if they lost a goal, we got pelters for it. So, so he was always on to you. But he was he was great, uh, uh, talented, and he went on to better and bigger things. He went to Celtic and things like that. I think he's the uh, goalkeeping coach at Aberdeen now. I believe I might be wrong, but I think he is. Ah, but anyway, someone we should definitely get on the show, actually, Lee. Yeah, he's somebody that I've tried to to get a hold of many times, but he's he is the definition of aloof because there are no traces of him on like. Generally, you can find people on like LinkedIn or you find them on Facebook yeah. or whatever. If you've got any contact details for them, that'd be great. No, I don't think I've spoke to him since the Falkirk game. <laughs> when we played the Falkirk. No, so Gordon Marshall. Uh, I've got two fullbacks. Uh, a right back, I've got John McStay and I've got uh, Harry Kearney. I don't know if you remember Harry Kearney played with Stennis Muir. He played right on until he was in his 40s, ended up at Brecon and things like that and ended up managing. 
but Harry Kane was at Stennis Muir with me. Am I allowed to pick? Is it all? Oh, he's five players. No, no, just the best you've uh, played with throughout your career. Right. So, and Joke obviously came and had uh, that time with Steve Archibald, and, and John was a great player, uh, good professional, you know. Uh, and you know, know the story about him and Dunk and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, centre half, I've got, I played with my Alawa. Uh, I had Willie Burns in, but I've, I've, I've uh, taken him out. Taken him out, sorry, I've scored him out. Sorry, Burns, eh? Apologise. I put Craig Valentine. I played with Alawa. He was at the Terry Christie era, or through them. Great. Had pace, so he was great for me. And, uh, and Stuart Burgess is another one. Played with Stuart at Falkirk and then, and then he came to East Fife as well. Stuart had great talent, great on the ball for a big centre-half. But he had that ruthless streak as well. I yeah. remember we, we, we played against Hearts and it was called the Battle of Brockville. Uh, and uh, we go beat 4-1. They had players like uh, Craig Levine and Eamon Bannon and all that playing in their team, David Kirkwood. And Ian Ferguson was up front. You know, they've blonded it, Ian Ferguson. They played with Hearts. Um, and Stuart Burgess, I, I was wearing number five that night, and Stuart Burgess uh, hooked Ian Ferguson and gave him a, a, a right good hook. So the referee blows the whistle. Linesman's got his flag up, number five. And Stuart Burgess kind of looked like me a wee bit, if you like, that same kind of jawline. So I got sent off, and it wasn't me. So Ian Ferguson's gone, oh, it wasn't him, it was freaking him and all that. So I got, I got sent off first. Next thing, Tommy Callahan came to uh, he's Fife, I don't know if you mind, Tommy came through you. He was next to get sent off. Uh, and then uh, Derek McWilliams was the third one to get sent off. So we got three sent off that night. It was a battle of Brockville, they called it. And I haven't even done anything, I got sent off. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's why you needed VAR. Oh, maybe better not to uh, have VAR back in those days. <laughs> uh, oh, I sorry. So left back, I had you and Donaldson there, I've got Dickie Gibb. So I went with uh, Dickie Gibb because I played with Dickie at East Fife and then I played with him at Lithgow Rose. Ewan only played with it for, for, for a, a short spell, but Ewan was a great player, eh? great great ability. But Dickie, uh, still quite pally in that, uh, great boy. Um, I mind I broke his nose when he was playing with East Fife, unfortunately. He didn't hear me shouting, obviously. Uh, that's one of his stories he tells. <laughs> He's still with a broken nose yet. Anyway, so we did Gibb. So midfield, I went for a, I went four four two, just a straight four four two. So wide in the right was a guy called Mark Wilson that played with me at Alawa. Could have been Ali Mitchell, by the way, because Ali was a great player. The Balingri bomber he was a great player, you know. Yeah, but I went with Mark Wilson. In the middle, I went with Crawford Bapti or Willie Brown. Although Willie never picked me, but I would have. I was. I, I'll probably go with. Willie Brown, just to keep him happy, I'll put a wee smile on his face. <laughs> uh, beside him, I'll go Alec Ray, played with me at Falkirk. Alec Ray was a great player, young boy at the time, unbelievable talent, and then went on to great, greater and better things. Uh, on the left, Derek Clark, he played with me at Alawa. I don't know where Derek went after Alawa, uh, but Derek was uh, just a wee guy, but he was full of energy. Hard as nails for a wee guy, but great to have on the team. Uh, so up front, I've got John Sludden and Steve Archibald. So I couldn't leave Steve Archibald out. How could you leave out somebody as iconic as him with your team? 
So you're playing against playing with somebody that, but again, played at two World Cups and all that kind of stuff. And then John Sludden. Uh, John, I know Molly touched on it. John's got went through uh, quite a health scare and gone through quite a rough time. Uh, I believe he's on the mend, if you like, uh, but it's no great. It's no, it's no an easy time for John. But fingers crossed, he gets better. And uh, uh, he was a great goal scorer. Uh, he would always he was great on the turn, no pace, but great on the turn, great link up play. And he used to come to training and games with uh, slippers on because he had bunions. Did you know that? He used to cut the top of his slippers so his bunion could poke, poke through. I knew he had bunions because I knew, like, folk had always talked about it. Like, when he scored a goal, he's like, oh, it's off his bunion. And... Uh, oh, he was torture with bunions. Torture. But I, John, John was a good, a good, he's still a good friend of mine, uh, but a great player. Uh, so there's my team. And I, I, a wee quick mention of, uh, uh, Robert Scott, tough to leave him out of the team. Yeah. It was between him and John. John's my mate. I know that Robert isn't a good pal, but Robert was a great goal scorer. Uh, bonkers, right enough, but a great goal scorer. 20 fags doing his socks, I think he had all the time as well. <laughs> and uh, another one that was like striker wise, Sammy McGovern, Simon Stadner, and Martin Cameron. All the boys. So that was my 11. It was hard to pick it. That's a good one. No Tuberica in there. He's one that I, well, I thought. You that. know, it's what I, he's quality, quality player at the time. He, 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 who was the other guy that played with him? Is it Demon or something? Demon. Like? Craig Denham and Demon. Andre Lewis. Uh, no, not Andre uh, Lewis. Gavin Lewis. Aye. Uh, aye, he was good. Quality player. He was. And he brought that wee bit of extra to, to the team. No, what, what did you think when they started bringing in Trinidad players and you had games called off because of like international duty? I know that's brilliant, isn't it? <laughs> it's mental. I, I read that and it said that uh, I I can't remember. Was it Cowden? We think we were duty players. Something got cancelled. I got Clyde Bank. Clyde Bank Might in my head. Bank. I think. Aye, because they were away. Him and uh, the guy Denon. <laughs> but there you go. Bizarre. Aye. Unfortunately, I never made my team. <laughs> Nowadays, you can't get games called off if half your team's down with COVID. I know, exactly. <laughs> and finally, then, Davey, is your, your 11 against if you're prepared for that? I've no, I've no picked on it. What's my, my, my best 11 against? Oh, you can just come up with some of the best players that, yeah. that you've played uh, against. Well, Ken Eady, obviously, up front. Uh, probably... Um, probably Kennedy and, and uh, uh, what was his name again? Ali Graham. They were probably two. They're great in the air, so it was a tough. It was a tough battle. Uh, they probably the guys up against that were tough. Um, who uh, played against? I mean, Molly mentioned Chick Chanley played against Chick Chanley. Used to dominate games. Uh, we Henry Templeton boys like that played with United. So I'm them. glad you're picking these guys and not just saying the whole Man United team from 95. I could have said that. <laughs> when, say, when you ask me, I says you just pick the whole Man United team yeah. because that's the hardest team you've ever played against or the most iconic team probably. But uh, I, I mean, obviously playing against Alan McCoy and boys like that, you always think about, you didn't really think about uh, centre-half-wise that I played up against was big uh, 
Kevin James. You mind him that played with Falkirk? Big, yeah, big, big, big guy, yeah. And that was always the one I had to mark him. It was a disaster. He was six foot eight, so you just had to foul him or poo, poo him doing or jump on top of him or whatever you had to do just to stop him getting the ball. That was it. Yeah. But I probably Man United team. If I was to pick a team, it'd be Man United team. Eh? That'd be the probably the, yeah. the most iconic and hardest uh, team I've ever played against. Well, I think that's us, unless Michael's got anything else he's wanting no, to No, I've like thoroughly enjoyed this, Davy. Thank you so no. much. Because I, I was saying to leave when we were chatting yesterday, it's like I hadn't come up with the questions by that point, and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm not sure how many questions that I'll have from my memory going back then. And then I just before I went to bed last night, I was writing all these stuff and doing research. And then before I knew it, I was like, ah, you better tell them this might be about an hour and a half. <laughs> but we've, we've gone over two hours, so thank you so much for, for your time. Really, really enjoyed it. Loved watching you. Lee, unfortunately, never got to see you play, but right. hopefully... Whenever, when all this is done, I'll take a game in at Socky. I'd love to go and see a game at Socky. No problem. Let me know. Get in touch with me anytime. And uh, I think we're streaming live if we can. I don't know if you'll be able to maybe look in in a game if you yeah, want. Yeah, I, I, I saw... We're, we're trying to do some, some things like that. So if you wanted to uh, catch a game, it's possible. Definitely, because uh, I would, I love watching non-league football, and it's just it's like it's mm-hmm. just I love having the pyramid system now. We briefly touched on it there, and yeah, yeah. all all the best to you, and hopefully, yeah. who knows, maybe you'll get in the league and play East Fife one day. Yes, I hope so. That'd be great. Um, thanks for inviting me on. I really enjoyed it. It's been great to reminisce and think back over the 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 years of the 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 years that. Uh, he's Fife, obviously, and, and the rest of my career, my career. So, yes, thanks very much. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I wish you all the best. I wish he's Fife all the best. I hope they, they start to get some results together and get out of that league, if possible. That's the Hopefully, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed we get back to playing. <laughs> yes. Right, thanks okay. so much, Davey. And yes, no yeah, problem. It's been a you pleasure. Know. All the best. Thanks, nice to you guys. Look after yourselves. Stay safe. Yeah, Cheers. you too. Take care. Right. Cheers. Some fantastic stuff there from Davey Beaton Lee. As we said at the intro, really, really enjoyed that. We could have talked to him for so much more. And just, it's great to hear stories from an era that we haven't had a, a lot of players on from before. Yeah, and, and look, you guys screamed for, for Davey Beaton for a long time. And, and it was down to actually a listener that we managed to get in. Um, so I just want to give a quick shout out to Davey Gatherum. Um, who was the one that, that put us in touch with him and both you and Donaldson as well, who we're hoping to bring to you down the line. It was an excellent, excellent chat. I really, really enjoyed it. And particularly for maybe listeners of, of my age group and younger, a chance to get an insight to what life is like as he's Fife in the 90s um, and playing against, you know, the, the Dundee Uniteds, the Dundees, um, and even the Manchester United to this world. So it's it's insanity and, and far from the, the life and East Fife player just now. I mean, the, the thing is... I- I'm bad, I've spoken about this before, I, I look back at those times with like rose-tinted specs and it's like, yes, yeah, some things about modern football are great, some things about old football are great, but there's also a lot that you kind of push to the back of your mind and East Fife were terrible. 
and it was some really dark days at times. Not to the stage where it looked like we were going to go to the wall or where we had battles like during the Down the Brown days. It just was not fun going to watch East Fife in that time. And that's what's kind of surprising in a lot of ways, that a lot of the guys that I think of as great players, Scotty, Willie Brown, Davey Beaton, Legends, Stuart Burgess, although he was in the earlier era as well, they came out of that era when we were actually a terrible team. And it just, you just shake your head and you think, how were we so bad when we had all those players? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, look at, you only have to look at some of the squads that we had after that and nobody really gets mentioned. So yeah, there, there is maybe some elements to it that, you know, maybe we weren't great, but we still had good players. That could all be down to the management, but you never know. Yeah. So we've got some more interviews lined up. And as always, if there's anyone that you want to see us chat to, or if you've got any ins, any contacts with, with players from the past, please get in touch with us on Twitter at Glory Days of Gold or glorydaysatgold at gmail.com. But now, Lee, it's time for this week's Have You Heard Stroke Artist of the Month, and we're going back to Scottish band from Kilmarnock, Fatherson. Yeah, bringing you Fatherson this week, and I believe that it's your choice, Michael. So. Yeah, I, I, I've gone for a song from their second album, uh, 2016's Open Book. It's a song that, if you watch the video on YouTube, it's a, it's a sad video. It's kind of celebrating that someone that's passed away and just like leaving like memorials around the country for him. This is Lost Little Boys.
Father's in there with Lost Little Boys from their 2016 album, Open Book. So we've got some more stuff coming up from Kilmarnock band Fatherson later this month on the show. I think it should be time that we open this month's mailbag, or this week's mailbag, Lee. Yeah, so um, one of our regular contributors, so hello to Alan and Marion Rankin, and it was on the back of the question that you posed last week about what lens people have gone to see in his Fife game, and I absolutely loved this, by the way. There's not a chance it would have been my parents, i tell you that. But So basically, we were due to play our growth in a midweek game at Gayfield. The date fell on the same night as the parents' night for one of their daughters. So she was obviously not looking forward to us speaking to our teachers. So I said to my wife and I, you don't have to go to parents' night, you know, it's not compulsory, which was enough for us. And we went to Arbroath instead of going to parents' night. So we're maybe the worst parents in the world, but besties five supporters. They've got to put it down to the dedication on that one. And I, I, I don't know what it says about your parenting skills. Um, I think that if it was my daughter down the line, um, and East Fife are playing midweek. Um, I don't think there's any chance I would be getting to go to that game. I think that's more important than a parents' night. It's like there's other parent nights that yeah, exactly. only gets played long, once. Exactly, and if, as long as one of the parents are going, exactly. Uh, Why do you both need to be exactly. there? Just a FYI in advance, Rachel. Don't be so selfish. I'll be going because Michael said it's okay. And yeah, it is. It's like you put your you wear the trousers in this relationship, Lee. You get her told. Sorry, Rachel, was that too much? Could you tell her for me? <laughs> uh, I'll maybe message her. I don't want to tell her face-to-face. She scares me. Ah, she is terrifying. Yeah. I'm sure but, she's lovely, lovely. lovely. Yeah, well, um, but yeah, but, that, that, yeah, not so much more in the mailbag for this week. Um, there was a lot of interaction on social media this week, which I absolutely loved. It's great to see the excitement that came from the announcements of obviously having Davey on this week, Stoney on next week. So you're getting two different eras. Um, Stoney was with us for a long time, local boy done good. Some of the reaction that we got to, to announcing um, David Beaton was, was excellent. People were absolutely delighted. Um, so, yeah, really looking forward to, to having Stoney on next week. We also have to reveal something that disappointed me, the centre-back poll. Yes. Um, so the winner of the poll this week was Stevie Tweed. Um, and... Michael's shaking his head. We're we going just to have... had Davy Beaton on the show. I know. Is it, who was better, Stevie Tweed or Davy Beaton? Well, I don't know because I was. Oh, you only saw one. That's the problem. This is the point. So, Michael and I are going to put a little hiatus on the greatest glory days of old eleven because 
it's becoming very evident that it's only going to be people that are going to get voted from a newer era. So what we're thinking is of a different way that we could perhaps do it that is going to give a more rounded team rather than just a a youth one, or we might try and split it so if you're 30 or under, who your team would be, you're 30 or older, who your team would be, and then we'll try and get a sort of maybe a mixture of two years. I don't know how it's going to work. Well, um, what, what to- I did, like when I started the all-time greats thing on the AFTN forum, I did a pre-70s and a post-70s team. And I think I started that 2005, 2006, so we obviously weren't too long into the, the new millennium. So what we could possibly do is just do a post-2000s team. Yeah. That, that would be an addition to what already exists. And it's given us 20 years to pick from. Yes, let's do it. I think that's maybe a better idea. I think that might be fairer. Because, I mean, Stephen Tweed was a really good centre-back. Yeah, He was a good centre-back in a good team. Yeah. Davey Beaton, as an example, was a really good centre-back in a team that struggled. Um, then you had like Jim McLaren, who was a good centre-back in a, in a good team as well. It's really hard to, to measure this and the age and everything and getting waiting. It was a big enough problem when we did the pre and post 70s team because there was a lot of folk that didn't really remember maybe the guys from the 70s as much. Yeah. yeah, there's no easy way around it, but maybe if we do a 2000s team, that could be a way of doing it. Let us know your thoughts, please. Um, it's something that we'll put out to the, the social media towards the end of the week, because I think you're right, it is becoming fairly evident that when it's the, the younger generation on social media that are voting for these, and perhaps some of our older listeners don't use social media, there's there's maybe a, a good chance that the votes are getting kind of skewed in one direction. So we'll come back to you um, with what we decide. I think I post a 2007 onward, uh, sorry, a 2000s team onward, maybe. Yeah, then, I think that would be a good one because you'd you'd cover the the Duker era with promotion. You'd cover the, the two du- championship the wins. Up to the all time eleven. Yeah, because we had gone up to two thousand and five. So do we stop it? To, do, do we do two thousand and five to two thousand and? Oh, maybe, maybe, because then that would be continuing on from what we had first done. Yeah, that might be a better idea. We'll leave it up to you, the listeners. Give us a shout on Twitter at Glory Days of Gold or on Facebook yeah, by searching Glory Days of Gold. Apart from that, Michael, pretty much wraps us up for this week. Yeah, we're not doing any fun segments this week. I'm not even bringing you a wavelength this week because I think a two-hour-ish show seems optimum. Obviously, we're a bit over that in this episode, so I don't want to do too much more over that. And we'll, we'll save stuff for, for later on. We've got a lot of shows to do. We're going to have a lot of airtime to fill. So that is it for this episode. Thanks again to the Phoenix and Glenrothes for sponsoring this show. Just before we go, let everyone know where they can find you online, Lee. Best place to get me is always Twitter, LeeG1903. You can get me on Twitter at AFTN Canada, AFTN website. AFTN Canada, you'll probably get a quicker response to me. You can shoot me an email as well, aftncanada at hotmail.com. Check out both our sites, aftn.co.uk for East Fife stuff, aftn.ca for North American football stuff. We want to hear from you as well, so send us an email, glorydaysagold at gmail.com with your 
your favourite away day memories, your favourite hard men, all these things, they're not going to disappear, we just want to keep getting all these memories, the things you've, the lengths you've gone to to avoid doing something so you can get to a football match, all that kind of stuff as well. Any new things you want to suggest, get in touch with us. And well, of we will be... questions for great, uh, Craig uh, Johnson next oh, week. Oh, yep, yep, for, get your questions for Stoney, let us know that as well. That is it. Thank you, as always, for listening. Thank you for your continued support. We'll be back soon. Until then, thanks for listening. Stay safe and mourn the fife. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.